Welcome to episode 22. We finally got another one here going on and it is the hot as fuck day, hot as fuck shit here in Tallinn, Estonia. And my guest this time is Carl Alari Varma. How you doing, man? Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Oh, God damn, it's hot as shit today. It is hot. We had a warmth record in Tallinn yesterday. So oh, yeah. What was that? What was that? I don't know what it was, okay. but everybody kept telling me, or, or everyone I talked to, oh, it's, it was really hot today. There was a record. Yeah. Like, Can you imagine? That's what life is like in Australia Every single day. I know. And I don't just mean the heat. I mean, people walk around, oh, man, it's fucking hot, isn't it? Oh, fuck, man, it's fucking hot. Oh, every second dick talking to each other like that. You, you, got to, you walk into the butcher, hey, man, it's bloody hot today, isn't it? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why you talk about the weather. <laughs> it's all we've got. Yeah, it's all. Uh, I realized this morning how Australian I was. I had all the windows open because it was so hot. And uh, I showered and I was in front of a mirror doing my hair for half an hour like I do. <laughs> and I had just the towel on. And I hear this zzzz, And I look up and above the sink, it's a wasp mm. zumping around. And I'm naked except for the towel. So I sort of look at it and I say, good morning, Mr. Wasp. <laughs> and then I take off my towel and bam! <laughs> take down that motherfucker and just casually put my towel back on and keep doing my hair again. Just I'm like, oh, you can take the boy out of Australia, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take the Australian out of the boy. <laughs> I saw the, like, the wasps in Estonia aren't that big. I was in Riga like two weeks ago and I saw one bigger than my thumb. Jesus. Yeah, and it was it was buzzing and it came to, a, we were waiting, me and other people waiting at a traffic light just to go across the crosswalk and everybody looked at it just like, keep calm it was like it was like, like a random homeless guy with the knife had appeared like everybody was like don't look him in the eyes just keep away and yeah. it'll be fine god damn that was is going to ask you for change or something <laughs> yeah. like that i mean you bum a smoke off me or something <laughs> like this there's a big fucking wasp yeah um there's a lot of traffic on the way oh here. yeah there was it was insane like i think it's because i don't know if people have gone crazy with the summer heat or something mm. also because there's road works everywhere in Tallinn. so i got it would took me an hour to get here over an hour actually to get here from my home usually it's about like half an hour mm. it's double the journey time there there was the there was a crash on the bus lane at the birita where the um construction is going on near the rosalka and all that stuff mm. and uh and the other thing was that the um uh, I was I, I was taking one of the streets near the where the ferry port is, and the problem there was the the traffic lights had just gone to yellow, flashing yellow. Oh. So there was just a huge truck in the middle of the road, <laughs> and everybody was looking. Like, where, where do we go? And the traffic lights were like, I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I don't know. There's no coppers around. Work There's it out no yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh yeah, and of course this afternoon Luiga Nock. Oh yes, is on not in Luiga anymore, so it's just now just in Nock, I guess. So uh, because it's about to piss rain any moment. I, I only saw like a few hours. Yeah, imagine that you got to go and do comedy in a tent at the Leno Sardom, and then you got to open for Petroya in the driving rain. And yeah, I think I, I can mm. just already hear the rain pedaling down on the on the tent fabric. I know. It's going tickle, tickle. And they've got. I, I thought it was fantastic. They've got an after party at Venus Club. And oh, like, that's yes. perfect. I know it is perfect. Cool. Do more different shit to us. <laughs> Excellent. The more stuff you do like that, the more people get. This is completely yes. different. That's kind of like having the after party in level or something. <laughs> like you have don't have tempo anymore. Otherwise, it will be the after party in tempo. But oh. <laughs> old Mulls in temple. I got to admire that man's spirit. <laughs> yeah. Trying to keep that place open. Oh God, I thought very hard to keep a place open in Tartu. But anyway, we're here and uh, yeah, man, I, I'm trying to fit in podcasts before I go to America. Uh, everyone, I'm going to America uh, on the 21st. I'm going for two and a half weeks. I'm going to Atlanta to see my friend Dita. Uh, then I'm going to New York for a week and a half. I've uh, got this nice Airbnb in Brooklyn. And then Ari's coming in for the last five days. We're going to be hanging out, doing comedy and shit. 
and uh I just had to go. I just yeah, had to yeah, work yeah, when it out. you say you had to go, it was Ekrin finally got to That's you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I rolled the dice. I yeah, played no, the king. It's not a vacation. Bingo. It's an exile. <laughs> yeah, I got a little message from Mart Helmer. He's like, "Made it time to go, mate. Time to go." All right, and I'm like, "Fair enough." I might have a look. I've had a good run here. Everything's been good. I want to thank everybody in Estonia for your time. I appreciate that. Uh, but I understood when the bold man says you got to go, yeah. you got to fucking go. You got to go. <laughs> um, That's so, good. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure it's going to be fun. Yeah, sure. it's going to be great. Uh, I spent a week in Atlanta with Dita. Um, he's he, he's doing great there. He's got his own little catering business. And that's, a, that's a childhood friend of yours. Right? Yeah, yeah. We went to school. Sorry, yeah. I went to school with my buddy Dita. And in 2006, when we first came here on the Euro trip, uh, Dita met uh, his future wife, who was American. I remember we met in Krakow. I remember that night vaguely. And uh, <laughs> I, on that's on the same trip where I met a country called Estonia. Yeah. And uh, that's viewers of my podcast will remember the uh, Audi laptop story of buying a laptop from Audi <laughs> and then it breaking and me having to come back to Estonia. And uh, yeah, on that same trip, uh, almost about the same time I broke the laptop in Czech or wherever, uh, Dita met his soon to be wife or later wife. And then he moved to America. Um, and his story so is you that... Bo- you bo- both got meaningful relationships. From that <laughs> exactly. And maybe I got a more dysfunctional one. <laughs> yeah. Why well, do your karma? I don't know. I'm fucked up. I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dita, what happened, his story is that he was a chef and he wasn't quite sure what to do. We were traveling, you know, trying to find mm. ourselves. And so he follows this woman to uh, America and to Atlanta where she was living. And he doesn't know what to do. With, with the woman's consent. With the woman's know. consent. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I know. This sounds whenever you started. Carl's got the wrong. Follow, like, yeah. he followed her. So Carl's the only one that assumes these sort of <laughs> things, right? Was there consent involved? Did, did, the, did the judge make him sign that form? <laughs> like, what form? We've never heard of these forms. Oh, no one's ever. Really? There's not, there's not forms. Okay. And, um, uh, sure. yeah, so he's doing some cooking jobs and shit in Atlanta. And then, um, He's hanging out with these frat boys and the frat boys, like all the American movies, have a frat house, yeah. as you do, and it's Sigma, Gappa, Delta, Pi, Theta, whatever the <laughs> Just fuck. Just random letters. And there's, those things are so, like for such rich kids, that they've got a, um, like, sh- like a kitchen. Yeah. They cater inside of the frat. I mean, these are big things, like an, almost like an apartment building, sort of, a small apartment yeah. building. And then, uh, and they're all complaining, it's shitty food, you know, eat your crap sort of thing. And Dita's like, oh, I could probably cook you some better food. Yeah. And the guy's like, really? He's like, yeah. So he fronts up the next day. He's making them breakfast burrito. He's yeah. making them food. These boys love him all of a sudden. Yeah. So then he starts cooking. He's the chef in the frat kitchen. Then all of a sudden, the next frat along goes, hey, we've heard about the <laughs> breakfast burritos. Pass them over, Dita Quinn. <laughs> and so then he's doing two. And then the next frat, and all of a sudden, he's got a couple of employees. Now he's got a, he's got a friggin' empire, and a catering That's empire cool. in Atlanta. That's and, a nice uh, way to do it. Put it this way, all right? He tempted me to Atlanta. He said, come to Atlanta. We'll take the Porsche to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sentence. <laughs> to give you a, look, we're not giving you the annual report of his company, but you can stick two and two together yeah. working that out. And when he came over here as well, because he's been to Estonia, mm. uh, you took him to the Tallinn market. So, I mean, <laughs> there, there is nice things you've done for him. Oh, he well. loved that shit. He was like right down like the old one, not the, what's the one on the halfway to the bus station? Yeah, I know the, what you mean. The, the old the center market. Yeah, basically. the old center. Yeah, Kestog. That's Kestor, right. Yeah. And uh, he's down there talking to the chefs, and he's like, "The cuts of meat are different to the ones they have in me. So, uh, yeah, so I'm doing that, and um, and yeah, part of the reason that I wanted to to get you on here today is because the day before the twentieth, 
20th of June. Is that we're recording your second special. Yes, I am. I am. That's super interesting. It's interesting because I didn't record my first one. Mm. Yeah, we had a long plan for (laughs) recording the first one. We wanted to make it special, but it kind of just, we didn't get anywhere with that. Because we wanted to have it in a a specific location, but we couldn't find the location that well. We had insane plans of getting a bus and all (laughs) all that stuff as well. And me performing and Ardo performing on the bus on the way there. (laughs) But we just couldn't find the location or the correct thing and it just happened so now with this one i want to incorporate the best material of the first tour into the second one as well so i can Mm -hmm. actually get those recorded so in the end it's actually a different show than it was to begin with Hmm. because with this one as well i feel like when i was doing this um quality the quality time or quality tag the the difference from the first one was that this had a story element to it mm. like the first one was just all the jokes i had written and i think that's for most stand-ups is the first special they have it's just all the jokes they have at that point they'll put them in some sort of order and then do it do a show right but um with with quality time i wanted to do more of a story and it, 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 it is a story but i've I was sort of sad that I couldn't use some of the bits I had used in the first one mm. because they were part of that story in a way and I've just taken them out but now I can actually put them in and sort of make it the story it, it always sort of was meant to be. Okay. Yeah, the other day I was talking to my mate uh, Ray who's Estonian and uh, he's lived in Australia for ages so he's pretty international and uh, he's like, yeah, I, wanna, I think I want to do the stand-up, Lewis. Uh, you know, I've got some stories I want to tell. How do, how do the stories work? And I, I sort of tried to explain it to him that the when you kind of start with stand-up you don't start with stories because a story you need to not only have jokes but move a plot along yes and that's a a very common problem that a lot of new comedians have is they'll turn an anecdote and you're like well lewis what's the difference between a joke and an anecdote an anecdote is a joke that has an extremely long setup (laughs) you got the blah 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 and then this and then i went to my mother's and then i went over there and then eventually there's some sort of laugh at the end and that's what most people know is like kind of old stories or traditional things. There's something good to have on a talk show, for example. Yeah, sure, you want to do that. Like, you know, just, you know, things that you tell each other. Friends tell each other anecdotes, you know. I mean, if you're a stand-up comedian telling bits to your friends, they know it. There's like, there's too many laughs in this story. (laughs) No, this is a bit that you've written. They're testing this on me. They know. And, uh, And to break down... And, and what I think is, is comedians need to begin with jokes, which is the more the <clears throat> elemental, the atom, the bit that goes together and that it's a, the joke at its core is set yeah. up punchline. And yeah. you know, we create a uh, story, a picture, sorry, is the wrong word, a picture in the listener's mind. And then we drastically change that with the next line. You yeah. basically don't give them a surprise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I advised Ray, I was like, Look, stories are cool, bro, but try and start with jokes. Yeah. Just write jokes. Write a couple of jokes on the same topic, then you got a bit. Exactly. As that's the thing. Like, if you start, if you have a story you have in mind, like, first you have to do have the jokes, and then you say, okay, I have a joke about this This topic. is I have one joke about this topic, and I have a second joke about this topic. Mm-hmm. Now, how can, how can I combine them? Okay, what can I put in the middle as well? Because usually if you have a bit about something, like, one of the punchlines is going to be stronger than the others, right? Sure. And ideally, you want to have that at the end because you want to finish the bit uh, with the strongest laugh you get. So it's it's the way you you then start thinking about positioning that, and that's something I had to work on a lot with the with 
this show as well is mm-hmm. that I have certain things I want to say, but I also need to get there somehow. And then you have to add the jokes and start thinking about that. And like, oh, I can, I've, I've done this bit here. And you can sort of cannibalize your own material a bit. Mm-hmm. But then you have to discard some of the, the rest material of that material because it's not going to be suitable. And you just don't want to fill it with filler material. Yeah, I guess the it's that when, when you do a, a show like your second show, a storytelling show, uh, rather than just adding in bits left, right, and center, or hey, I'm gonna, I'm sick of this joke. I'm gonna swap it out. Doesn't matter. You've got either. I mean, with every line and almost every word, because we analyze that as stand-up yeah. comedians, it's almost like, are you moving the plot along, yeah. or are you telling a joke? Yes. And sometimes you can do both, but rarely. Usually, yeah. it's one or the other. You stop and you talk about something yeah. as a joke for a while, or maybe you've built to some moment in the story if you're a particularly good story writer. But that's a little bit different to a yes. stand-up set. So I guess in those, when you were creating that show, I guess you had to balance both of those off? A little bit, because there were certainly, I had to accept that some bits are going to get less laughs. Mm. But they were also like, I need to set the stage, so to speak, for the net, because the next like 15 minutes is going to be jokes about this thing, but I need to sort of explain what, where I was at my life at this point, what, what was going on, so they could actually get the context of all the jokes later on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I tried those jokes just on their own, and at that point they were, they were still there, but th- the story element had gone, right? So I, I felt that for, if, if you are, you have to develop the plot somehow, and you have to take like a minute, and if you're doing an hour show, you can allow yourself that minute of not getting a laugh, and that's fine, you have, just have to accept that, I think. Fine. Mm. I think it, it I think it was fantastic the the challenge because no no one in comedy Estonia has done that before has tried to take on a storytelling show and I think it was really cool that you did that and I can see a number of reasons why that show would be harder not only do you have to do what you do which was move plot along and and adjust things and the shit doesn't quite fall in the order yeah. that you need it to do but not only that like you need to practice that right and there's not as many opportunities to practice that because you've got to take out like large chunks to make it work when you're not just doing a jokey yeah. jokey show. And we've only, as many open mics as we do, we still only have a limited number of opportunities. Yes, and the time as well mm, at yeah. an open mic, right? And even even then, if you're doing an open mic, like I I did, I tested the material in other tours and all that. I mm. like the jokey bits I had done on different tours because I I needed to make the jokes work as well mm. so you try and test that out but uh, like the links and uh, all that and then some jokes that they literally need the context because i'm also using that to advance the plot but also trying to make jokes and i can't i can't have them anywhere else yeah, yeah because yeah. people are why are you talking like there's there's a half an hour show they're missing right <laughs> <laughs> to, to get to that point and i mean personally i do kind of enjoy just joke 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 shows as well but i wanted to try something different and i'm like doing it i realized like oh this is actually it's it's so different in in a way that i there was definitely worth it because it was a very intimate story as well that that the whole thing is about mm-hmm. and it was good to do it but i think my next one is going to be more joke 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 because <laughs> because in a way it's i wouldn't say it's easier but it's it feels more natural that way as well to just do jokes and just yeah. do straight up yeah that's because we've got that then also then you're countering that uh difference between more american stand-up and english stand-up yes and yeah we're all doing jokes but typically the americans like to do just jokes 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 or you're neil brennan so you're doing some weird concept or something like that where the english are much more into the whole concept style thing yeah 
and I'm I was sort of my influence was more English anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always had the story element more to it, even if it's not the full hour is is a story i'm more drawn to like i'll have a i have a seven eight to ten minute bit about the same thing that's kind of a mini story right yeah and then i just add material to that that's what i've always that's how you write your jokes yeah, is exactly. it okay you've got something you want to do and then try to insert yeah the and, funny then, back and then i'll then i'll add stuff to it sometimes i realize like the things i've added are not jokes <laughs> and they're, <laughs> like if they're not that funny it, it's just me giving a narrative mm. to, to something but then I realized I, d- I don't actually need that narrative if I'm not going to use it for anything else so just drop that bit okay. but that takes a couple of shows to realize like oh this is because you kind of it's it's the material that doesn't go doesn't make you laugh it makes you go ah okay like yeah, it, it yeah. makes you like not chuckle but your head wobble or something <laughs> but then it, that that's it and that's not what I eventually want I, I'll still want the laugh sure no, I think it's great that you did that kind of show that we experimented to see how it worked because there's one idea that was thinking maybe Estonian people would love that because coming from more of a tradition of theatre and people responded well to the show, I think they got what that was and I really liked it that the uh, comedy fans got something different Yeah, and they got to see a different sort of show and saw that saw the shit's moving on it and evolving. Is. I think the atmosphere as well in the room because it's, it is a very personal story and there's a couple, couple of bits near the end as well where I, like the audience literally uh, gasps for air <laughs> because it's a very intimate reveal I do at that point. And like, I think for Estonian audiences, they're rather not uh, sort of um, used to that, someone being that open. Yeah, with, yeah. with these things and and it is i mean i find it interesting and, it, and it's also a lot a story about my father mm-hmm. because this is a trip I, I did with my father and everything is one of the main characters in it and um and it's interesting sort of he hasn't seen the show yet <laughs> which which is fun <laughs> he I, I did invite him he said nah, I nah. <laughs> just no that's super interesting yeah. uh what was i gonna say Oh, I forget. I'm not even high this time, and I'm already forgetting <laughs> uh, the things that I was going to say. Um, yeah, so we're going to... Uh, we're doing the show. So we're doing it again, and we're doing it in Heldeke. Heldeke, yeah. And we're going to record it this time one more time. Yeah, so um, so do come... If, if you are listening to this, when, when you can still come and come and see it, then do come and see it. Mm. Because I think it's... Even if you've seen it once, this one will be a little bit different. Mm. I mean, it's the, sa- the core is same. But there's, I wouldn't say it's better, but I think it's more, it's more full of jokes this time a bit as well, because I, I I've used material that, um, I didn't think I could use previously, but this time because I want to get those jokes recorded as well, I'm using them and they really add to the story. Because it is, a, is that because you said it's like an amalgamation of the first two, kind of a little a bit, a little yeah. bit. I've, uh, I, I'm not using all the material from the first one. It's very selective bits I'm using, but they're all sort of part of uh, of the narrative, really, that um, they really make sense in the story. And most of them are actually taken from that period of time anyway. Okay. So that I've I've sort of because that it, I had I had a very interesting childhood. Uh, let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> like my, my years after this, I've I've never lived a relaxed life, right? Mm-hmm. I've I've always been on the edge. I've always I've lived rough. I've lived a, any any way you can because I just I, things happen to me. That's mm-hmm. that's the main thing. It's yeah. just things happen to me. And I, I'm very adaptable. 
I find I'll, okay. I'll just go with the flow, and I end up in strange situations. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. We're going to record it. And I think it's a good time as well. Like, I think you also identified that uh, we got to have video footage these yes. days. Like, that's just how the way it's working now. Yeah, I find as well that I want to get the... I want to get some recording done. Yeah. Because, I mean, audio as well, but... But it's good to have those because then I can also move on from the material in a way. Because those jokes I don't really do. I'll do them sometimes in uh, if it's a corporate event or some some sort of private event. I'll do them there because I know they're good jokes yes, and, no. and people have. Oh, li- oh my god, the shit I do at private events. Oh my god, so old jokes, so old. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're sort of they're they're fine from age five to ninety five. Some of them, so that's why I use them. Mm. But also, I can sort of put that story behind me then. Okay. It's out there in, in a way. And my dad can probably see it. <laughs> at, at that point. And I'll have a long conversation with him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very important to move on from material as well. Um, what was it last night? Old, uh, old Caleb came yeah. up to me. Caleb Brunick, one of... He, he's a... Uh, fuck, he's American. Yeah, he's American. He's American. He's yeah. American. Oh, boy. Open uh, mic. Uh, goes yeah, one of our open mic comedians. He's, he's American. Came to here for the woman. And... Uh, he came up to me and went, dude, we just did the run of shows in May. We did the comedy nights. Mm. And now I feel like really down from it. Oh, yeah. you motherfucker. Hold on. The screen went off for That's a second. Fine. We didn't drop out. No, we're good. No, we're good. Wait, wait. I got the thing that makes the screen not turn off. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So, Caleb comes up to me and he's like, yeah, man, we did the comedy nights in May. They were cool. But now I feel depressed. Yeah. And he's like, is that normal? He asked me the same thing. (laughs) Like after a tour, do you sometimes feel depressed? I'm Mm -hmm. saying, yeah. And and then you realize also that when when you're starting off a stand-up especially, like nowadays, we're constantly writing anyway. Mm -hmm. And then it's a good practice to constantly be writing. But if you stand start stand up then a lot of us didn't constantly write i feel like it was more like oh there's an open mic coming and then you the, then you write for that and then you you have your first 10 minutes and then you do that first 10 minutes somewhere and then it's like oh i need a new 10 minutes <laughs> and that's that's where it kicks in like oh, but i'm actually not funny <laughs> like you, you get that in the back of your mind as well and it's it's i remember when when i started and when the main shows were the Vilda shows oh, and yeah. the, back in the day back in the day <laughs> Back in nostalgia land, uh, <laughs> we had the builder shows and all those, and then and then you did your material, and then you realize, oh, but I need something new, <laughs> and then you'd have to write the new material, and it was difficult because it, you're starting off as well, and not everything is as funny. You don't know how to write that well, and all that. So it is is it is a tough thing, but that's what makes you a good comedian, and that's what actually makes you better. Yeah, I I, I advised him as well that I I think the distinction it was easier for me to understand this when I was working in the theatre in Sydney because in the theatre you uh, I know shock horror I used to work in the theatre oh my god uh, you rehearse 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 for many weeks and then there's whatever one two week two week run or whatever and it's very intense and you're working and you're with all these hyper creative people like yeah. comedians are very creative and very artistic but in a totally different yeah. like I'm too fucking cool for school <laughs> fashion where when you're in the theatre you got to oh my god I'm so fucking oh my god I'm so creative and I'm so outgoing and they're yeah. very giving and it's a really lovely environment to be around and be around these really giving creative people and then after boom you're just you are depressed as fuck for the next week but yeah. like it was a known phenomenon that you could prepare for that after the event you're going to be depressed yeah. you know and and so I I think it's a little bit 
like that after you do something like and probably for Caleb it's a huge thing right yes. he's been doing it for my first thing as well six months first experience. couple of comedy nights yeah so I was like don't worry about it bro you just gotta yeah. oh you still feel self-conscious and yeah. you lack self-confidence welcome to the fucking club yeah, this, this will never leave you always. <laughs> <laughs> not a new thing <laughs> That's interesting what you said about the um, sort of creative people in like the theater environment. I, I feel as well they're all, they're more like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Let's, I'm excited about this project I'm doing and all that uh, and that kind of creative. And then you have comedians who are like, at some point, I, yeah, I've, I've written a TV show. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's okay. And it really is funny. It's, I, I mean, we should probably do it at some time. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Let's do it now. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I did that TV show. <laughs> oh, yeah, what one was it? And it turns out it's like it's the most famous show that <laughs> yeah, you've yeah, ever yeah, heard yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah, I did that one and this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all too, we're too individualistic. We're too cool for school. You yeah. know, we're all like, you know, keeping it like a little bit together. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, trying, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's... Um, yeah, with with with, with the after show depression, mm. I think it's, it's, it's okay to feel like... I think... Like this is a question. Like I don't know if you have somewhere where viewers can actually send you answers as well. It's interesting to know if if people from other professions feel that as well. Okay, at the like, end of a project, sure. Like exactly. Like you're yeah. a business person. You've you've finally got that deal down, mm. and then do you feel depressed after that? Like oh, I've got to find the next new thing. Yeah, that's super interesting. If you are listening, write us on the Insta or the yeah. Twitter or. Well, we should be more organized than this. But uh, yeah, right. Like maybe at the work, maybe you get the you big the rollouts. The yeah. system 1.0 is released. Is that a downer exactly. or... Because I bet that's even less talked about. Yeah, we're reasonable. We're creative. We can yeah. be somewhat connected to our emotions. But if you're working in the frigging bank. Yeah. Yeah, we just rolled out the bank system 3.0 worked for six months 12 hour yes. days like what <laughs> what do you got yeah what's what's the next do you feel depressed after that or do you do you feel happy you're done with because mm. i guess i mean i have friends in it and you worked in it i mean there's the next project coming up as well so you know that's coming mm. so what do you do in that meantime i mean and, and anything else as well like i guess school wise as well like you do the exams and suddenly, oh, I'm depressed now, and now yeah. I gotta. I, I remember that because then, oh, I gotta find a new school now. I gotta decide what I'm gonna do at the university, like all those things. That I, I, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder how. Oh, oh, it'd be super interesting to hear someone who works. I would love to hear someone who works for a medium-sized company. So maybe yeah. I don't know, 50 people, whatever. Not a huge company, but uh, and so how how personally you're related to those projects, yeah. and then how and let's say you're working for the huge company because I've been doing this uh, consulting for SEB Bank, and they're really interesting. And I, I mean, I'm I, I am not a creature made to work in a big company. <laughs> I have understood yeah. this already when I was an IT guy in Sydney, and that's how I ended up in Estonia being a frigging comedian. <laughs> but I like going back in for a couple of days. It remind like I know I know what it is, and it reminds me that I don't want to be there as much as like I'm cool with those people and all that. But it certainly takes a certain type of individual because it, I mean, it just and I don't even mean in a rude way. It's like yeah. fuck and you mm. corporate fucks. <laughs> Not even that. Just like if you're gonna work, this is a huge organization, yeah. SCB Bank, massive international organization. You are inherently one small cog in the machine, and you have to be, and you're cool with that. You're not like. I mean, I'm sure some people are sitting there fucking frustrated and want to get out, but that's mm. just cool. That's just yeah. who you are. And I'm really fascinated by that because I'm not that person at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> I can't be. Yeah. Which is what gets me... Okay, the reason I'm going off on this rant 
is because a lot of people are talking about the uh, universal basic income that they had in Finland, right? Yes. And that's where the government gives you like a thousand bucks a month or whatever the fuck. And to cover your... Like the idea is to keep you up off the poverty line, right? Everyone gets a thousand bucks a month. And... They, people keep talking about like, will that take away the uh, will of people? They don't have to struggle. It takes away their purpose in life. You know, people talk about, well, you need the job to have the purpose. Yeah. And, and then they talk about, will, if we just give people free money, does that take away their purpose? And I keep thinking about this <laughs> from the frame of comedians yes. and artists. Because my, in a heartbeat, I would say I do more crazy shit. If I don't have to worry about the money, I oh, do more. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. I like there's, there's take projects. More risks? I would take more risks. I would do more. Mm. I like I used money to for because I do stand up for stand up. I don't do it for money, mm. but I have to worry about the money so I can have food and, and sure. not live on the street. I mean, we lost Nama, so it's almost like <laughs> living on the street, right? But uh, if I have an, a universal income, if people just want to give me money, then I'll, I'll I do more because I would have. I wouldn't have to worry about the money aspect as much. That's what I think it is, right? With uh, I think artists have a unique yeah. perspective on this because yeah. everyone says like, well, if I didn't have the job, what would be my purpose? Yeah. Or if I didn't have to, what would be my purpose? And after writing an extremely long letter to my father in the last two weeks explaining that I'm an artist <laughs> and explaining that I don't have a retirement fund and that's okay, yeah. uh, like artists by default already have to find their own purpose because yeah. uh, there's not much money unless you're super famous and there's no roadmap through the artistic field. What do you do to become the best art? Well, to be a yeah. successful artist, one, to be the best artist. Oh my God, what does that even mean? Exactly. Number two. And so it, it has to come more from your inside yourself oh, yes. at that point because you do, like even if you're an artist you can't look at other artists and go like I want to be like that person because at that point you're you're not doing art for for you you're making you you want to be someone else right it's a role model thing or it's still a job you just exactly. met, that might be the difference between someone who's a painter and someone who's a graphic designer working in an ad agency no disrespect to someone who's working in an ad yeah. agency but you're doing a job even though there is a creative element yes to and, it. and if you're I've, i find in that situation if you're happy with what you're doing and, and if you're happy with the art you're creating that's fine i it doesn't ha- like art can have a purpose as well but uh, i mean with stand up as well i or any kind of art i feel like if you're happy with the work you've done then that's what your goal is sure. pretty much and at that point if you can get the money to help you survive <laughs> then that's fine as well mm. because that's that's the thing like we still live in a society where we need things and and being famous um i don't think that's something an artist should sort of go for in a way like there's some really good niche comedians as well who are really funny and they do it for for comedy's sake and and in a way they're comedians comedians but it's still if they can survive off that and they do things that they're happy with, I think that's fine. Dude, that is the best. To live off, just be doing what you like and live off it. And that's why, yeah, like they keep framing this basic income argument that people will have no purpose if you give them money. I think artists kind of show that it is possible to find your own. We have to find our own purpose on our own without money. There isn't money. There's no money going on in this. So you have to... 
Now, maybe that's not for everyone as well. Like, I appreciate not everyone is going to be able to do that. But I think it's a really interesting argument to say you don't need the money. You don't need that job. I don't need to work that big organization or that particular company to find your life purpose. I think for a lot of these companies or people working in these companies, the, it's the money, money is the main motivation because they have to live. Sure, absolutely. Of course, it's and a normal if, thing. And if you give them money, they can do things they want. I think there's a lot of that. that first of all, there will be a lot of more artists. There will be a lot of weird people, people <laughs> doing strange things. But that's part of it. And I think that will make life more enriching as well. But um, there's a, like peop, countless people working in clothes shops or any kind of like banks or, or whatever that do that because, hey, I have to put, I have a family, I need the money for that, but it's killing them inside. Mm. So giving them an option to actually do something else that they're going to be, I don't know, even if you go and be a streamer, right? It's, it's, still, it's still something you, you can then do and then support, support your family. And, and be happy right mm. or if I don't know you want to do strange uh, interpretive dance right it's, it's, it's art right it's, sure. it's still something but if you're getting some money from it maybe because maybe then okay your interpretive dance doesn't pay everything but if it pays a little bit yeah. and the basic income gets you up I mean, clearly a universal basic income is some sort of socialist paradise goal that artists being artists would love, right? Yeah. I mean, but also, like, think of teachers. Like, how many people have, got, have said, I'm not going to be a teacher because I need more money? Mm. And how many more teachers there might be because, hey, I, I actually I have something to teach and I'm getting a bit, bit of the money from doing this work, but then I also get... Like, it's an interesting topic and, I, I mean, we don't have the answers. It's just yeah. we have to do this to, to actually know what would happen, right? It's that... It's that faith. The way that I framed it to my father, and I'm, again, I'm using my podcast as free therapy lessons. Is, That's why I'm here. It is. Is Okay, my father had a great job. He had a good job. He got good pay. He was social. He got to travel. Uh, all, and he had a wife and child to look after. This was all by all accounts. Society counts, his counts. It was a great job to have. Um, good job. However, eventually... He still wanted to retire from that job. No matter how good that job is, yeah. it was always the retirement is coming. And that's a normal and natural thing as part of employment. And I tried to express to my dad that I'm like, I'm not going to retire. There's no retirement. And then, like, I'm not saying I want to be eating the frigging cat food when I'm 80 <laughs> and I still have to get up and frigging last them out open mic in front of 10 people. Hey, guys. Put some frigging coins in the bucket. Papa's got to get some food. I need some insulin, yo. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You want to, as it develop some kind of buffer, right? Some, you know, we want to, don't want to be living month to month when you're 80. Um, but in terms of do I have a huge retirement fund on the 17th pillar? Um as long as I can keep talking and keep writing, I'm going to keep working. Yeah. Because I have to. Like, what am I going to retire? Oh, I'm a retired artist. What the fuck do you do with yourself yeah. then? It's an interesting point because my dad, my dad's um, about uh, 60 now almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he was just made redundant now. Like, okay. like he's redundant from next month. And he, he loves his job. He's been working there for 18 years. He works in a supermarket, putting stuff out and stuff. And he loves his job. job. He loves it. And he's actually sad that he can't, mm. like he's made redundant. He's getting money for, for the long career he's made and all that. But, but he's sad because he loves that job. And now he's looking at other places to do that job. It's mm. not about the money for him because he just enjoys the way, way, way it works. I mean, 
technically he wouldn't even have to work because he's 95% blind, right? Mm -hmm. Like he has a disability, he has a pension from the government and all that, but he just loves to work. And I think that's also what, if we have this universal income, like he wouldn't retire if he could, like Mm. if he doesn't have to. He'll probably take the, at some point when he can't carry stuff anymore, like he'll he'll stop. But I mean, if you put the universal thing in there, I'm sure there's people who love doing, jobs like that as well other people who love that and they would still be doing these jobs but also their life would be easier they would have better chances of like getting a new bed or whatever so can actually sleep better right and there we go stuff okay like yeah follow on benefits and 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 like it's it's all all stuff like that that our society i i feel need because I, the, I, this is getting political but okay. the, there was there was um article i just read that uh, said that hey this growth can't go on like uh we're just going up oh that opinion piece yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm, i feel like well but it has to in a way because the wages right now people can't manage on them right people have to work many jobs just to pay a rent in in Tallinn because that's the only place you really have the amount of jobs and all that and if the if the situation gets worse then what are you gonna do like people are it's gonna where's the government gonna go then right people can't all go to the countryside and and all that so it's an it's an interesting thing i think it would be very beneficial for us but Mm. i don't know where it's gonna go yeah i will the i i don't know i think these businessmen just want to overheat say oh the thing the bad things are coming oh you're not going to be able to hold up like but it's also something all around the world that's like a common thing right now because I, i think to myself like uh if there was something else, like with your dad, right? If there was something else I wanted to do when I retire, I'd already be doing it right now. Yeah. Like, what What, what the fuck else am I going to... Like, maybe I've got further aspirations with my career. I want to go to America with Ari or something and yeah. you know, be his manager and see how that goes. But that's just further down the line. That's yeah. not, oh, I'm going to retire. That's and an escalation that. of your current thing. Yeah. And maybe it changes. Maybe I'm not so much a stand-up comedian. Maybe I'm a podcaster, right? Yeah, it evolves. Yeah. But I'm like, I just don't know. There's no concept of retirement. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, I've got to finish this job eventually. And it was really good. When I worked that out, I, 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 I kind of, I think my dad finally got it. Um, it was a good reali- realization to have yourself yeah. as well. Like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. It's not, oh, this is just a phase. It's like, because this is the, like, stand-up for me is the longest thing I've done as me well. Too. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. I've tried different things and I've always, in the end, it's just naturally like, usually it was about two years. I could do something for two mm. years and then I realized, oh, this, I hate everything <laughs> about it. It's just eating me from inside. And then I found stand-up and now, I, years and years later, I'm still having more and more fun every time I do something. I, I felt that too. Originally, uh, I got, well, because I started it with the guys and then I was kind of trapped that I couldn't escape even if I wanted to. And maybe you do. Sometimes you have worries and fears and eventually I was like, I'm trapped. I can't go. I've <laughs> got to go forward. I'm yeah. the, and now I'm now I'm great and it's fine. Because I think that's kind of what has happened recently with Comedy Estonia that we're, we're getting to a new phase now yeah. where it feels like the revolution is over and now it's the evolution that... At first, when you're doing these shows and you're trying to put stuff out there, you're hustling and working hard, but there's always that, you know, we're not established then. Mm. You're not part of the the core culture or not even, I don't want to say core and mainstream, but, and you have these fears and doubts like, oh, if no one comes to one show, we're dead. Everybody hates us. They all got together and they (laughs) said they hate us. 
and uh, they've all and so no one's coming to shows anymore, and and that's it. It's over, and you fear that you have that irrational yeah. artistic fear at every time, and and you you hustle and work because you you think well will we make it? Will it be there? And I don't mean to say we've made it. Certainly, certainly not. But I feel like we've gotten to the stage now where we've proven the formula. Yeah. That if we keep on working hard, keep on doing this, um, then we will make it somewhere. And that realization has been really profound for me. Have you felt something like that, Tom? I feel like also, I agree with what you say. I also feel like inside the group of who, we who do it, Mm. it, there's been an evolution to a new level. Because back in the day, I always felt like I had to be at shows. I had to do the hosting, and I, I was there early to make sure everything's fine. And I, I felt a bit of a pressure with that as well. Like I can't miss a show, and I, I need to be there. But now I can miss shows, and it's fine. Like for for me as well. It, I, I mean, back in the day, it was would have still been fine. But like that's I, that's how you felt, right? Exactly. Yeah, I get that. It's a little bit rational, very rational. Yes, and it was more like I think a lot of everybody felt that a bit at that point. Like I, I have to be there. I have to like it has to be done a certain way. Mm. Uh, for it, this to be successful but now we're more relaxed in a lot of things and we a lot more people can get opportunities and all that because people hey it's it's fine actually and like everybody can do pretty much everything now mm. right, yeah. like we'll be alright yeah like that we have developed like you said with the basic income thing if I had a thousand bucks a month I'd be doing crazy shit yeah and it's not like I want to do crazy shit but we've got enough of that buffer to be like okay if something's going wrong cool Settle the fuck down, relax. We're just going to do a little course correction now yeah. and get back on track. And it's no longer like instant death. <laughs> Fatality. Yes, that's right. Get all rude. <laughs> and that's a really nice feeling mm. that we know, cool, if some shit's going down, we're going to see it. We're all pretty intelligent. And it's and we can... I, I looked around recently and realized that still work fucktons, yes. Still do... I mean, do I... Is it my ultimate goal to be in giving presentation consulting for SCB? No, but for two days at a time, it's quite manageable. Mm. And, you know, it's not so bad. You know, it's quite enjoyable to sit around with a group of people and just talk about the theory of presentations and comedy and writing for a day, right? I can do that, sure. Um, But I don't have to do any projects I don't want to do anymore. Yes, that's good as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because... Yeah, because you can sort of choose a little bit more. And I mean, the further we go, the more work there's always going to be. Like, it's, like the workload's never going to get less. It's always going to be more. Mm. But it's, we can sort of decide where we want to put that work at, right? That's a very good point. Uh, sort of, it's not just that, hey, we need to do this thing to actually get get through next month or, <laughs> or, or sort of do to maybe this will help us or something no we can we can be a m- lot more selective and that's a good thing because if you give an artist an option of hey you need to do this or else or you can give them the option of hey would you like to do this oh you like it have fun there's always going to be better material if if they like the idea mm-hmm. if it's not forced Definitely, if it's not forced. And I think that all of us have different levels that we want to do. Like, I, I feel I have very much learned this from Sander and his very relaxed attitude to everything. Um, now, I don't know where that comes from inside of him as a person or him understanding his creative abilities. Um, but I've, I've learned to chill from him and to know that that's going to be okay. But because then again, on the other side, like, 
Uh, for everyone listening at home, we have a new sales manager at Comedy Estonia. Her name's Christina, and she's great. And her job is to actually go out and like, if there's the company party, you know, sell us to that, or maybe there's some hosting event. And we've never done that before. We've only we basically just waited for people to email us. We're such freaking idiots for the last eight years. Anybody? Anyone? 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 <laughs> anyone? And, uh, and for the first time, we actually have a proper salesperson going out and selling us. And you are her favorite. She's like, Carl will do a lot of different gigs. If there's something like Sander doesn't want to do it, but Carl will be there. And not that it's a bad gig, just that Sander goes, nah. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, that's not his style. And uh, the your going what you say before, you're very flexible. Yes. And very adaptable. I'm, I'm fine. Like... It's, it's interesting because especially with like private events as well I kind of and deep down I enjoy when everything's shit <laughs> like I, in, in life in general if things are shit I enjoy it because I love the chaos I love to see the chaos from, because I can detach myself at that point and sort of be a bystander at looking at the chaos and I love that because I, I love because it's not that it's material as such I find it inherently funny inside me and I'll, I'll write things down and then I go home I yeah. look at them and I laugh <laughs> because I can't laugh in their faces that would be rude sometimes I do <laughs> when, I when, when it's too funny but I, I enjoy that and I, I know a lot of private events that just happens and I'll I'll tell everything that was wrong at an event later on. I'll give feedback <laughs> to, to our p people. And I don't want it to come off as, as me whinging because I'm not. I'm just stating all the things because I enjoyed it in the end. <laughs> like all the stories, there's, there's videos up on our YouTube of, of me telling about the bad private mm, events we've had. Yeah. And like whenever I do them, I'm at this point now where I can say when I do a private, it's still good. It, no matter the, the situation, I've done it long enough that I can still make it work. Even if there's children running into my legs, if there's, uh, I don't know, music going on, if there's a tractor being pulled across or something, I can still make it work. Sure. Like last time, like, even a couple of days ago, I had an event where um, I was, uh, there was uh, foreign people, I was trying in English, I was trying to get their uh, attention. At that time, one guy was poking a camera in my face from one side, and there was a, there were sparse staff bumping into me <laughs> literally giving me the shoulder to get a, get, get away from them as they're going with the plates and I'm, I'm i'm at this point and internally i'm screaming <laughs> but as i'm like okie dokie let's go on with the material <laughs> cameramen never get it yeah. cameramen never get it at events there's always some fuck with a camera <laughs> yeah. getting right up there with a flash what do you mean the thing <laughs> It was in a selfie stick, and he was okay. pointing it in my face. Oh and then I was God. like, okay. I just want to bang, slap that shit away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm here doing interpretive dance. Did you not know that? <laughs> Bam! But I still enjoy those things. And yeah, that's, right. that's the thing. I'm, I'm always willing to do things because I like the new experience. Um, I think whenever we've had, hey, does anybody want to go like to Denmark and do this crazy thing I'm like yeah I'll go mm -hmm. I'll, I'll pay for it and I'll go for it because I want the experience because I feel life is all about experiences and, and doing things so I'd rather put my money on that than actually a, a thing right that's real nice man you said that um, you were saying to me you wanted to take a little trip to Greece and Greece yes. particularly because you grew up on like Greek mythology or yes. tell me like the stories tell I, me about that one of the first books I was given when I learned to read was uh, <laughs> uh, not the manual but a lexicon of um, of uh, Greek mythology like a collection of Greek <laughs> myths right that was the first thing a beautiful I, childhood you must have had uh, the first book I was read to was The Hobbit 
okay by yeah. by tolkien right uh-huh. when i grew up that was that was my first bedtime story so uh, my, my my parents have always been big gamers mm-hmm. uh, like they got all the new board games when they come out out, out during the soviet times um as soon as the uh, borders were free i got the first video games with the the dendies with i got the, the dendy yeah, yeah nice um they still play world of warcraft daily to this or other mmos to this day they're 60 right now right so they still they play a lot of games i mean my dad is 95 percent blind but he has a magnifying glass and he'll just look at quest lines they can both read english without the problem my mother learned to read english and he oh she only reads english books now yeah. because you can get them for a lot cheaper and there's a lot more of them right mm. so she'll read uh, and play games and stuff like that and i've always been grown up in that way that's the environment i was grown up in so i'm not a nerd by accident right <laughs> this is so by design that your parents play wow as well they, and at, they... at one point they play more than me <laughs> yeah. wow and do you uh interact with them online at all yeah, or yeah. okay often like well you're not there's... the same guild or something or whatever no we, we are yeah okay. yeah they're but they play more than me like i'm i used to be big and wow i used to be i worked hard i worked hard, hard really hard i used to be a guild leader for the third biggest guild in the world I, I had about 400 people under me. I had great teams of 80. We were best in, like, we had 14, me- you had 14 million players in the world at that time. Mm. We were third biggest. It was a full-time job. I slept about two hours or three hours a night, mm. and the rest of the time I was in WoW, just either doing admin or playing. I didn't go to school. I skipped school all that time. 400 uh, people are in that, that guild of yours. Yeah. Yes. And I... I I mean, because it was very competitive at that at that level as well. So it wasn't just me doing. I, I did the upper management bits, but my my sort of I had officers. We we call them officers. Mm. So you would have a healer officer who would deal with the healers, tanks, the damage dealers, and all that. So you got department heads. Yes, as well. Yeah, and and they even had their own like the for paladins, for priests, mm. for druids, or whatever. You had had their own heads who knew the class better than the rest, right? How is this? hierarchy being determined i was more of a merit meritocracy in in a way because you would see who were well 50 50 i would say 50 percent of how well they were doing and 50 percent those who were willing to stand up and sort of do things because you're always going to get one guy who's really good at it like we are i love this story about her main tank at that time and uh, his name was bosky and he was polish (laughs) and he couldn't speak english yeah. Like he had n- no idea of English. He, we taught him four words, four fra- phrases, and he was the main tank, so it was the most important. He would always go in for the bosses, do the first pull, and like initiate the fights. So our four phrases was uh, Bosky left, Bosky right, Bosky no, and Bosky go. <laughs> right. Now, some listeners can already see that there was a main key problem with this that Bosky no and Bosky go are very similar. Uh, so, in a crackled mic, someone would go, <laughs> Bosky would ask, Bosky go. And we said, Bosky no. And he said, ah, Bosky go. <laughs> <laughs> and goes and pulls. And they're like, no, Bosky no. <laughs> and suddenly, you're like, 15 minutes of work done, half an hour. Everybody has to run back because everybody's dead again. You have to do the buffs and everything. And then, if that happened a couple of times, we had another guy, Sebastian, who, would, uh, who was Polish as well. Mm. And good, uh, speak really good English, and then you would have. We told him like to to just like, give directions, and then you could hear 
really angry Polish being spoken <laughs> on it. People yelling in Polish for a couple of minutes. You can mostly go like, kurva, kurva going on. Poski no, kurva. No, no, no. Poski no. Poski go. And it just <laughs> happened. And then later on, it was, okay, poski no. <laughs> it happened. And stuff like that. I love that as well. The, the chaos. I think I learned uh, one of the, like m- most of my life lessons I got from, from WOW from that time. And um, I learned to deal with chaos there because you have to do split second things um, and decisions there anyway. That's hugely interesting. Like, how do you balance off in that? So, you said it's mostly a meritocracy. Yes. And I guess, so in the game, then you've got stats and levels of things. And so, by you've got the higher level, the higher skill level, the higher amount of whatever. That, yes. that That is your better, that would be your rating. Yes, I have. Okay. A, well, yeah, rating in, in a way because you would, there's a couple of things you would balance at that point. You would see all the statistics that people were doing. So, who did more damage and who did... Um, more healing and all that but you would also look at um how many mistakes they would do in a way and that's something you can't really you don't have any inbuilt programs or add-ons you can use for that Mm. that's something you have to look at so if if someone just keeps pulling at the wrong time like pulling the boss and starting the fight too early you would have to make a mental note of that and that's what i did i i had a i had a i had a clipboard i was like the gestapo or something and i would look okay Oh, you're like a manager. You're like yeah. a leader. That's, Jacob's yeah. done another mi- mistake, right? And y- sure. you would sort of keep keep track. And I mean, you wouldn't do it too much. But if someone was constantly doing it, you'd have to have a talk with them and, mm. and realize like. And that's one of the ways I learned uh, how to sort of give feedback as well was was from there because these are all high ego people because they're at the top and are really trying their best to be the be the best really. Mm. So you can't just hey you're doing it wrong. Now you have to, hey, this is this is really good. Have you, let's talk about this. Have you got, is there any tips uh, you, c- you can give me? And you, mm-hmm. sometimes you try and try and do it that way. And then you, they tell you something and you go, okay, but I haven't seen you doing this. Or you, you try and, a little bit passive aggressive sometimes, but it, it works in that situation. Because oh, it's leadership. It's leadership. Because you it's have, to, people, have yeah. to be somehow, not that you go, hey, this is wrong. You need to be better. But mm. you, I, I found that the main thing is when you go and, tell something that something they're doing is wrong mm. you have to have advice okay yeah yeah you always have to have have you thought about this or hey uh, maybe I, I talked to this guy already like your um, your class leader as, as we would call them like the paladin leader um, would you want to talk with them and maybe you know sort it out with yourselves or something like that mm. So I had to I had to learn these and when I did this I was 15 when I started uh, so and I did this for about well let's say 16 to about almost 19 I was doing this main mainly this amazing skills to have how did you deal with like you can have someone who in their job who's like super good at their job right they're the best fucking tank guy they're the best warrior they're the best whatever but they may not necessarily have management skills or leadership skills how did you balance that off in a game that like you can see that person's stats. They're a great yeah. warrior. They're the, they're the first one who's going to charge into the battle. Now, this doesn't guarantee that they are going to be a great leader of people. Yeah. How did you... And that happens. Organizations have to work all out that time. shit all the time. How did that... Especially online, because I can imagine that uh, when you are doing this, you just talked about how much you were dip- diplomatic and you had to work around it. But also, I think, because you're not face-to-face with them. And online, you need to work actively very hard to be polite. Yes. I can just be polite just by looking and go, yo, man, thank yeah. you. And that's it, right? But you got to really explain it online. So I don't think it's, well, you know, how, how do you balance all of that in a world? In a first online? thing we did was we made sure that everybody had to have either a microphone or at least 
be able to listen when we're speaking. So it wasn't text-based. Uh-huh. Because if you're doing it text-based, there's no emotion, there's mm. a comma somewhere wrong, you, you don't have a big letter or something, people read strange things out of text. But if you're talking online through a microphone, it's a bit more human uh, in a way. And in those situations, you would just say, just a little bit, be honest and say, hey, uh, do you want to focus more on just being good at your class? And I mean, we can see that you're you're the best warrior we have. Can you just be a good warrior? And maybe like if you if somebody asks you for tips, then give them tips. But we don't wouldn't actually like make them class leader if they didn't want to or if it didn't work out. We would just have someone else who wasn't maybe as good at at that warrior bit, but would just still be good at leading as well because you need that balance, right? Absolutely. You could have someone who was even like let's say the third best warrior be the warrior leader because he would or she would still sort of be able to talk with, with people and give them help. And, and they would then just be the li- liaison between the, the best warrior and whoever needed help, right? So, I mean, that's that's just life as well. Sure. I mean, but that, that's very advanced level of organization and of leadership to work that out and then to be able to make that happen. Um, it kind of came organically, to be honest. Yeah. Because it's at that point when you're where you're doing and you're trying, you're racing to be the best as well. You have to do these things quickly. And my philosophy always was that um, I had I had good good people helping me as well. Like some some people who who really got the game. So not not the game as in as in World of Warcraft, <laughs> but the whole management side of the game. Yeah. So why? some of it I was for some time I was just the figurehead of, of the whole thing as well I was just there I, literally I was kind of the president in a way because <laughs> I didn't have actual power but I got to sort of take the blame if shit got wrong right yeah. but later on as those people left because of life uh, commitments and all that I had to start doing that bit as well and then I had learned from them and, and realized how to how to sort of get people to work together like in any company, like people move on from companies and organizations yes. and for whatever reason, and then people have to rise up and someone has to help them out and pass that knowledge along. And that uh, did like something with Comedy Estonia, I realized a little while back, one of the reasons why I wanted to get at least one more employee, which was Hellerine. And I don't think we need any more, but because we, we had well, operations manager, project manager, now we've got sales manager. And I, I really wanted to get I knew it had to be more than just me and one other person and definitely more, probably more than me and one more because of this. Because otherwise, when someone leaves, you're basically completely starting from scratch. Yes. And when you have a certain amount of people in an organization, they can then, like, the group knowledge is another part of that, like, onboarding. Yes. And uh, well, I guess that was what was well, happening. Well, a good, good example for that was cer- certain boss mechanics for us in fights. Mm. Because you could have one person do the one mechanic and do it brilliantly every time. But if they were ill for a week and couldn't come online or whatever, they had to go for work they had to another country they couldn't play. We wouldn't know how to do that boss because that one key mechanic, we didn't have that person on, right? Huh. So what we did was deliberately have at least three people learn that thing, even if they weren't. Jeez. Like sometimes if, if they weren't even doing that mechanic, the mm. ma- like the main thing, we still had them run around with that person, make them sure, like we would take, we could have 40 people or, or later on we had 25. Uh, as the race got smaller, you had, only had 25 people. Is know. that the way the game changed? Yes. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you could just uh, we, we still took a, a, at least one person or two people from that part of the game whatever other duty to learn that so if one person wasn't was missing we could have the other people who who had the knowledge right this is goddamn fascinating this is 
I mean, this is what companies pay thousands of, of euros for to get this sort of training and this sort of organization. And here we've got this online thing where it just sort of evolved. Is it a thing in online gaming or WoW? Like, I, I mean, okay, if you're working for a big company, it's like, yeah, you got to go to the training. You got to learn how to be a better mid-level manager. You got to go learn how to be a leader. And they're like, is any is there any support for this, or is it just really people teaching people online? It's people teaching people, like you yeah. have to have some people who take the lead, mm. or, but it comes naturally. And like we had weekends where we just got together and sort of we we basically talked about how we can be better at our at the game right and we have people whose duty but that was actually me whose yeah. duty it was to make sure that we knew all the boss mechanics like we had to do research mm. I, or i had to do research to make sure that we knew what the boss was going to do like if it was a new expansion or a new dungeon coming out mm. i had to dig deep and sort of make guides and all that so and everybody had to do read the guides yeah. and i would literally have quizzes in them so people would I, I would know that they had read the guides because later on i would explain it anyway but if they hadn't had the knowledge before it was it was gone right yeah like yeah. It, uh, we could we couldn't do anything so there was it was just people getting together it was a surprising amount of organization like one of the things yeah a tremendous level of organization one, one like one one bit as well that we had is we had a system to track attendances and this is very standard for any kind of raid skills but you have to make sure that you have the same people right and that was how we awarded loot was if people were there for the raids so we had a we had an excel sheet with mm -hmm. with a called dkp system which is called dragon kill points that, that came from everquest actually and every hour of raiding you would do you would get a certain amount of points if you were there for a certain kill or wipes uh, like we died we would get more points and all that and this was all actually one guy organized that and kept track of that but i i had to be there i learned excel thanks to world of warcraft as well because i had to be there and when, when the loot was given out i was the loot master as well so i had to make sure that everybody got the right and you would have to you would wager amount of points you would say okay this is 520 points Okay, let's. Well, that, that that's actually too much, but <laughs> like to one one hundred and forty points, and then you would say, okay, I want it for one hundred and forty points, mm. and then you would look at uh, the people and who had the more DKP would get it, and mm. then you subtract the points because if they had more DKP, that means they've been for more raids, mm. they were more valuable, they were there for even the bad nights, right? So it wasn't be like one guy came for, hey, I'm I'm only here if you're really good at clearing this place already, but I don't want to be there if you know working all that shit up right yeah, doing the yeah. infrastructure so we would reward the people who were there for the beginning as well and no would do shit. the dirty work that's unbelievable that level of is there um i mean yeah i was about to ask that about excel and using tools to manage this because any respectable organization has project management tools and task tracking tools i mean has someone like developed like proper wow project management tools that maybe integrate to the game is that a thing uh, proper well, i mean there's there are things now that's a bit more you have the um yeah the game itself has a calendar you can put events in and all that like mm. we used a different we had just someone do a website for that there was a lot we had a lot of it guys so we yeah, <laughs> it, was, true, it, yeah. it was fine we got our own website people had you could really well see who was signed up and all that um but there's a lot of things you need to keep track on in, in a big guild as well yeah yeah and there's uh, there's the different sites you can see where you can see the stats because you can see some of the stats while it's going on. But there's like if you log them and then you put them into there's a site built where you can just put up a text file that 
it records from the game mm. and then you can see exactly how at what point in the fight someone did something and all they can go really into detail with sure, the data okay. as well you could probably even parse that out or something like that yeah. and find someone that's pulling the data out automatically calculating some of those exactly. statistics you can from. see wh- when something went wrong and who did something at, at the correct time and all that it's stuff. like the ultimate version of what's that fucking tool toggle that's that estonian tool right and it's like an online uh time tracking application and sometimes we talk about it like yo should we have the time tracking app maybe that will help us track the projects but um we never get around to it because no one's really solved time tracking yet it's fucking annoying to have to turn on a time tracker and no disrespect to toggle um i just think no one's really solved that how to just make that super seamless because you forget you don't remember every single time but in WoW, you've got almost a system where that could be almost completely automatic it to is some automatic. level. Yeah. It's completely automatic in the sense that uh, if you have, well, it actually does record everything automatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In right. The game, right. Uh, it, it, the game detects when you shoot the, the monster, right? You shoot the boss monster. It gets that and it's recording uh, automatically all the data anyway mm. and all you have to do later on is copy that text file that generates automatically into the app. That's, wow. that's it done. It's the ultimate project management tool. There's so much to learn. That's so fascinating. I can't believe that more uh, research, there must have been done, more research into how these groups have organized themselves and what are the lessons to be learned in like real life leadership from that. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't actually... I, I think with video games, there is still a bit of a stigma there that it's just people, you know... Uh, playing and it's not for everybody and it's a child thing and whatever and the people doing it are nerds and all that and I mean sure there are some nerds oh. but <laughs> one or two <laughs> yeah sure. we have some of them um, but uh, but it's still I mean it's evolved that there are different things in it and I mean World of Warcraft was part of a big study actually but a different type of study because there was a in one of the bosses um it it had a play basically a plague right that it put a debuff on you but it was an interesting debuff because there was there was a bug where it wouldn't go away so and it killed lower level people and you could take it out of the dungeon into towns and it was it was an epidemic essentially a plague yeah right it was a plague where if people logged on they would die and people who like people would call each other and say hey don't go out the like don't log in there's or or team speak or forums like don't log in there's a thing going on and people wouldn't sort of then log in and it's it's an actual study of how people interact if there's a deadly plague going on an epidemic and we've got all the data we've got exactly a record of the data without bias of exactly how people reacted exactly so that's a, that's one good thing it was it was natural as well it wasn't like a planned event or anything it was just shit happened fascinating i wonder then i mean this high level of i'm super fascinated by this high level of organization right um all right where am i what am i what's my next question about this so world of warcraft wow is why we keep saying wow world of warcraft is world of warcraft a game that people play as an esports game yes now well there is a very long form it's this very long you know kind of things and we're doing quests and missions and it's very this thing that sort of goes on constantly rather than just a game of counter-strike that i play today and i win or lose there's, um, well, I'd say three main things that I can think of. Like, they do have two esports leagues that are of their own that they try and do, which is one is player versus player, which is um, basically arena fights. So, three versus three people. Mm-hmm. And okay. just, you know. A short form, right? A short, 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 form, form. short, short form. Now, something that's going on right now is Mythic Dungeon Interna- Invitational, sorry, which is basically people, you have these dungeons, right, that you have. Uh, 
certain mobs, you have certain difficulties, and you have a group of five people and you have to get to the end boss, right? You usually have like four or something bosses to go through and trash mobs that are just packs of, of less strong monsters. And uh, there's different things. And then you have two teams that rush through it. And whoever's fastest with the least amount of player deaths and all that is the winner. Mm-hmm. So that's actually what they've made into an eSport as well. And then you have um, the World First Kills, which is a different kind of... It's not an eSport as such, but it's basically whenever there's a new expansion or a new um, dungeon coming out... Oh, sorry, raid dungeon coming out. So you have a raid of, like, uh, let's say... Uh, five bosses or or eleven bosses. Sometimes it's it's big boss uh, amount of bosses, and you have guilds who compete. Who gets the first world first kill in that? Mm. And that's where a lot of money actually is because the sponsorships in different guilds and all that. And so you want to be say I was the one. I got the first one. That's exactly b- kudos and bragging rights. Yes, on that one. I've I've got one world first kill in, under my belt. Oh shit! Uh, when was that? How long ago was that? I was in Wrath of the Lich King. So that was oh that was a long time ago. Oh, I'd say. Not 10, but maybe like nine years ago. Yeah. 10, 11. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like World of Warcraft. It's getting 15 years of World of Warcraft this year. That's true. Right. Okay. So, sorry. So, so when they, they've made esports, what they've done is like chopped up and made like proper sports. Like, if World of Warcraft is life, they've actually chopped that up and made smaller sub games, which is the games that they play competitively. Because yes. where I was going with this was I was super interested, like, oh, if you have to sort of self-organize into these groups and have these amazing leadership skills, how is that like, what's happening when that's turning into an esports team? But from what you, with the sponsors and backing and they get professional training and all that kind of crap. But from what you're telling me, the esports version is more a cut down 5v5, yes. small team Less versus teams. small team. Dis, not taking into account the higher managerial structure of exactly. it. Exactly. I I was in the um, for world first kills sort of part of it, which is the bigger one where you need more people. Because when I started, and that was during well, well now we have classic or vanilla World of Warcraft coming out, which is they're releasing the base game again. And during that, you had raid teams that has had forty people in it, mm. right? And you had uh, raids that had twenty people in it. And then, you might, if you're a guild who wants to be the world first, you're going to have two teams, at least. Okay. So you had 80 people suddenly raiding, and you have their friends and all that stuff. And, and so that it becomes a lot of people to manage suddenly. And as time evolved as well, you would sort of get... Um, after that, you had the raids go smaller. So you had uh, 25-player raids and 10-player raids. And um, I mean, it's easier that way as well that you have the, um, if you have a 25 player raid, that team can do two teams of 10 player raid stuff, right? With, with an amount, em, enough to, uh, for rotation, if like five people can't. Oh yeah, you need, you need a bench, someone's exactly. on the bench. Yeah. That's what we call it as well, we call <laughs> it the bench, by the way. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> because you would bench certain characters depending on how the class balance is done in the game and all that as well. Mm. But it's it's at that point it became a little bit easier for management, and at some point I transitioned from just playing to mainly management. Like at one point in Wrath of the Lich, at the end of the Wrath of the Lich King, or the second expansion as it is, um, I became I didn't play that much anymore. I wasn't in the raids as much anymore. I was outside managing things, and my thing was that once everybody else had logged off or the raid had ended, I would just talk to people who who needed to help or something or need assistance and stuff so i would talk to late at night and then i would go and do whatever 
text files I need to do, whatever forum posts, whatever I need to do and, and admin stuff or, or talk to some of the sponsors or whatever and, and do that bit. And then later on, I would wait, <laughs> sleep for a couple of hours and then I would do the early uh, morning raids as well. And and during all of that, because when I started, I, I was very hesitant and very shy. I had to drink. So I started, I, I couldn't do raid leads when I was sober, for example. So I had to Even start. online, even online, that was tough for you. Yeah, yeah. So I had to start drinking at like, I had to buy alcohol. I was only 16 at this point. <laughs> okay, yeah, only. So I had to buy alcohol the previous day to start drinking in the morning and hide it all from my parents. Huh. Oh, okay. So you're going to sneak it into your bedroom. Yep. And then that would give you the social lubrication you needed yes. to do your job. And then I realized it was becoming a handicap, so I, I quit drinking as well. Obviously, I got better at, or more out of my shell as well, so mm. that was good. Yeah, I mean, like with comedians, like if you see a new open mic comedian, like for a while, cool, okay, if you need the beers, you know, the first handful of times, so fair enough, you want a, a beer, but uh, yeah, it's important to transition out of that yes. eventually and understand. Have You You said there was some something coming, was there something this weekend? You said you wanted to stream this weekend. I'm um, actually streaming tonight, yeah. Yeah. There's a new game, but this is very individual. It's called Path of Exile. Okay, it's, it's a totally new game. This is not World of Warcraft. No, it's uh, if people know Diablo, it's kind of like Diablo, which is another from the same company as World of Warcraft, but it's uh, it's a better game now. Okay. It's a top down. It's a completely different kind of thing. You, it's an action RPG, so you run around and just kill stuff. And, and but the, what they do is they have seasons, so every three months this. Uh, it's a mini expansion, basically, they put out, and they reset the economy. So it's an interesting thing where uh, ah. they have to make a new character without any of the money that you have, and, and people have to trade and do all that and, and find new things. Oh, God, I could ask this shit for hours, like <laughs> how that how that affects the game rather than having to build up. I'm not, I mean, if you go into the game understanding that every three months you're going to get reset, like, okay, fair enough, that's just the game, but... Mm. Yeah, well, I guess that would change the dynamic a lot. Well, you do have uh, like you don't have to do that as well. There is a constant uh, system as well, mm. where every time every the three months that the transition happens, everything puts uh, gets put into the main league or the standard league, so to speak. So you do keep everything you get, but you can't use it in the new three month event, right? And and you can see the economic change there because one gets inflation all the time because all this currency every three months gets shoved into oh the game. Oh my god, right? this one game, yeah. And, and, and the items as well because it's uh, the the currency system in that game is very interesting as well mm. because um, there is no gold as such. There's different currency items that you can use on items that can make them more powerful, or you can use them as currency to trade with other people. So it's it's a very bartering system, and you have these items, and as the meta changes and things in the game change, then certain items become more expensive and every league is different and, and it's an interesting I, the, it would be an interesting thing to study as well i would imagine yeah oh, oh god this stuff would be okay you're streaming that yeah i i was streaming a little oh, look I, I can't do this i stream forza <laughs> like i want to play a racing game and yell and as soon as every time i try to stream uh i mean an action game as soon as i open my mouth bam i'm in the wall <laughs> i can't talk and think at the same time um, I'll see how I can. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Interesting. We're going to take a break for a second. I'm going to go pee and uh, I guess we'll move on from the video games because yeah. I've been nerding out too much trying to figure yeah. out how. <laughs> and it explains a lot of where you're coming from. I, as I well, have, like I have been thinking of, of writing a book on this topic, but it's an interesting thing to see the sort of management side of being yes. this deep in it for so long. And then because I've put a lot of these skills into into real life, for example, because we, ha we have yeah. had uh, in, in the game, I know you wanted to have a pee, but That's right. I'll, I'll be quick. Um, the thing was that 
like we had problemed people in the problem people in the guild who would be very egocentrical and would like to wanted to do things and sort of think they're above the rest in a way and that wasn't okay and how we, how you would deal with toxic people like that in a good manner because sometimes you didn't want to lose them but you had to be accept accept the fact that it's better they might be the best dps in the world but you have to get rid of them because they're killing the mood of everybody else and things like that and and that sort of conflict management i've also taken mm. and diplomacy i've taken into my real life from that as well for sure yeah i tell you we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second yeah um cool all right we're gonna have uh the uh little pee break see you back in a second bye Just just got the new summer tour poster from Geyser. Oh fuck yes! Yeah. Oh sweet Jesus, that's a good looking poster. That looks good, yeah. It's just one of the pictures from the last summer tour that Helike took. Yeah. So yeah, we got it up there. Cool. Yeah, I can talk from about the World of Warcraft thing for hours. <laughs> there was a lot. Um. Yeah, and I can talk for hours about management theory yeah. and leadership. And, uh, yeah, I think yeah, these topics go well together, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it yeah. is, yeah. I mean, yeah. managing people, leading people. Actually, I was going to talk about uh, comedy 
Tilapia, but now I realize let's get off it. Like, we'll sure. vegan this shit for too long. Uh, it's fine if you want to, though. I mean, that's no, it's okay. That's, no, I, I don't. The point of your podcast. No, I, I want to <laughs> have more fun. <laughs> sure. Okay, we're back from our pee break. There, I went outside. The hard rain has not come yet. Uh, we haven't had that that cool. There's been no pitter pattering on Patroya's tent down there at Luiganok. Oh, uh, maybe there's there. I mean, how far is it? It is. Oh, it's look. Maybe it's coming. But we um, let's God. Sorry, everyone. We've been balls deep in the theory of management and <laughs> yeah. leadership and how this applies to games and i've been trying to learn a lot about leadership and shit so i could be like a better leader and stuff and it's fascinating to learn these lessons and i think there's a lot of lessons there but let's um uh i got super excited today because we finally uh released the uh, uh facebook event for our edinburgh fringe so yes it's done. It's we're now we're going to the fringe. It's so lovely and official now. It I mean, is. seeing that in the official guide, ah, that was a good moment. That's a nice man. So, yeah, we're going to, for, for the people, if you haven't heard, the biggest arts and comedy festival in the world is the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland. It's in August every year. Uh, and we've been trying to get a spot for like several years now and the idea is that uh you need to apply to like this sub organization called free fringe well there's a lot of different organ like sub organizations Mm. or even sub festivals you would call them that um there's two main types there's one that um you basically book a room and you have to pay them a guarantee and you have to uh, typical stuff yeah it's like a regular 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 show right and then there's free fringe and you have different organizations for that as well but the main thing there is that you don't have to pay rent and you don't you don't charge a ticket price so it's a lot easier for actually um for performers to do put on shows there sure but you have to get uh, selected in a way that's the yes. only thing but that is everybody like if you've ever been to a comedy estonia open mic and we have the free entry but at the end we have the bucket and we're all standing at the door and asking you for a donation this is where we learnt it this yes. is where we learnt this skill of asking for donations at free shows. The bucket speech. The bucket speech, yeah. we Because this uh, idea that we do at these open mics where we stand at the end, it's not a typical trait yes. of Estonian people. And I mean that with respect. Uh, it's not you know to stand there and ask for the money so directly. It's not a, a typical it's not, character not trait. Not for any kind of... Like it's in any it's culture. Hard, any it's culture. Difficult. This is true. Yeah. So we had to... What we did, the way that we understood how to do this was we all went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, saw it happening, and we were able to talk to our friends who were experienced comedians. And there's techniques that we now... Look, if you have been to one of our shows, you have been a subject of these yeah. techniques. Yeah. There's the right time to do the bucket speech. There's the explanation of it. There's the standing at the door and it's being It's a specific thankful. system. Right. There's rules and tricks and methods, and we learned them. We went to the... <laughs> <laughs> we learned them from the master and we i, I actually yeah. studied online as well i was reading about bucket speeches and all that <laughs> and then like asking people online as well yeah i remember christian schulte is particularly good at a german yeah. comedian i remember him giving us loads of tips on how to do it and now it's come full circle so we finally got accepted to a show uh it's called straight out of estonia yes 
because we couldn't think of a better name than this. Well, well, it's because it's it's a name for not Estonians. Yes, it's it's for everybody, mm. and I I do mean everybody because uh, the fringe gets about five hundred thousand visitors, even more. Like the 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 town dub- doubles in yeah. capacity for that, not in capacity, but amount of people. I mean, the capacity is quite quite small because it's <laughs> pretty much Tallinn. Yeah. Now you add five hundred thousand people into Tallinn for a month. It's going to be chaos. Right. Right? It's called the Bon Jovi concert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think Bon Jovi for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's nuts. And finally, we're there. Finally, we get selected. Finally, we've got this show. It, was, it wasn't easy. I mean, for years, we got rejected. We tried different things. And like last year, we got really angry because uh, it wasn't with this organization, but it was with a different one. I'm not going to say the name of this organization, but they basically told us, no, we only want to give it to our friends. Yeah. At that point, we got <laughs> we were butthurt. <laughs> we were not happy. Because, I mean, I get from their perspective, who was some fucking weirdo Estonians yeah, on the yeah. side? Who are these guys? You never heard of them before. I have a theory. I have a feeling this year it didn't really turn. I have a feeling Phil Nickel put in a good word for uh, us. It was Phil Nickel, and I had a I have my own contacts as oh, well. Shit. Okay, he's got the inside mafia there. <laughs> because right. I, I know someone who who works in that space as well and okay, was very involved yeah. in it. So I I basically complained like this is unfair. Yeah. But uh, Phil Nickel helped because uh, Phil Nickel talked to Peter Buckley Hill himself, yeah. who was the uh, uh, sort of founder of the whole Free Fringe idea. Uh, I mean, he doesn't do it like he's not involved anymore. So there was no inside thing, but it was just talking to people and saying, hey, these guys have applied for years, and maybe let's mm. look at the thing. Maybe they're worth actually giving it. Child, we have to explain. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Really. We're actually really good. We're like these, we're like, I don't know, we're like uh, some white guy who grew up learning kung fu from the movies in the south of america or something and now he's come back to china to do the kung fu and he's like no i'm really good at kung fu but you learned it uh, from a movie you're no good but he's like no no i'm really good and we're like coming back yeah he is the karate kid like he's he watched that movie. oh we are the karate kids yeah. we're coming back so we've got a show uh it's happening 22 dates i think it is yes 22 uh yeah. and that's our very own show yeah yeah it's called hour. comedy story yeah straight out of Estonia because we've got to name it pretty fucking yeah, obviously yeah. and then we re we reuse the old uh, stand up on scene no s- say wait, on stand up say on stand up uh, poster because it's got the blue the black and the white uh, conveniently yes and now we've got this nice Estonian flag looking poster That's very nice and uh, I, I, I looked at the pictures in the guides and all that and mm. it looks really nice because mm. it's it's a smaller picture than you, we would usually have on the posters but it works still very nicely. Yeah, and it gives out the. Uh, it looks professional. That's the main thing as well. Because a lot, a lot of times when you look at the fringe uh, guidebooks, it's. I mean, people just manage their own shows and they don't have money for good graphic design or they're not good at it themselves. Um, and it just some of it doesn't look professional. Let's let's say. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm really happy about it. And uh, yeah. so the idea is you and Ari are going to be there the whole month and the rest of us are just coming and going. There is a know, schedule. Time. There is a schedule. Oh, we've got schedules, people. We've got flights oh, booked. Excels and we've stuff. got all kinds of things. Now I'm a bit regretting that I'm only coming for like five nights or something. 
But it, I'm so glad as well that we managed to get it because for me, who I've I've been trying this for years and yeah, sort of yeah. being at it and finally seeing it to come to something, I'm I'm excited and really want to go. And it's sort of yeah, the moment I saw us on the official guide and actually, hey, we're actually like mm. this is happening now. Um, I, I'm still I'll be nervous until the first show goes on. Yeah. Uh, once I get the first show done, I'm there and everything's working, I'll be fine. But once I get that done, I'll I'll be perfect. Yeah, me too. I th- and I and I thank you very much because you really pushed this through. I have never had a massive enthusiasm because I and it's my own thing because I don't like Edinburgh sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I've talked about this before on the podcast. The problems that I had with Edinburgh is that it was mixing. I was doing the business and the yes. pleasure and the arts at the same time. And there was a time a few years ago where this was becoming far too overwhelming for yeah. me. And so Edinburgh came to totally personify that, that we're supposed to be over there enjoying ourselves, going to shows. But... I got to be there talking to the ma- managers, talking to the artists, seeing what's going down. And it was just, it was too much for me. Yeah, okay. okay. And uh, I'm glad. Because I was there and I saw it from the sidelines as well. Yeah, so. and it's pretty fun. You know, you get to, I mean, it's not all bad. You get to be in the loft bar, hanging out with Sloss, having drinks and then because talking. For with, me, you know, it was a different experience doing the Fringe for, for those years because I did a lot of spots. I, I could do five, six shows an evening or, or a day, and that was good because you start at, at 11 mm. doing to old, old people. Like, the, the amount of... It, 11 in the morning, you're not going to get young, hip people in the room. Somehow, everybody has a hangover. I mean, the comedians are hungover <laughs> as well. But you get people who are older than we would usually get in our shows. Like, people... Everybody has gray hair, right? Yeah. And you still make those people laugh. And uh, I think the first time... Uh, the first year at the Fringe, I, I realized it was funny. Mm. I'm, I, re- I remember going oh. there and realizing, oh, I, I'm actually internationally funny. Like, yeah. it's not, I'm not doing this just for Estonian in our, in, a, in our own bubble, but I can actually do stand-up everywhere. Tremendous. Yeah. So it was a big uh, breaking point for me of, of realizing that this is what I want to do and stuff. And, and after that, I've, I've been to the Fringe many times, and I haven't been, I wasn't there last year because I was angry at the Fringe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, both of us were. <laughs> so, but now I'm I'm so looking forward to going in in a new way as well, but having our own show and and doing all the hustle on the street because we have done one show with the Fringe. Before. Yes, T- tell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we we did. Um, thanks to Ro Campbell, who's uh, who had a show, and Ro Ro's been here many times in Estonia as well. Um, and he had his own show at the, at the Banshee Labyrinth, I think it was, downstairs. And one day, or one evening, he couldn't do it. Was yeah, the whole hour, couldn't yeah. do it. He was just like, I'm out for yeah. sickness or something like this. And maybe, and I said, hey, you're stoning guys. You want to do it? Sure, take it. Because we had me, you, Daniel Weinbergs, and Janika Meidler, and Dylan Weinberg. Yes! At that, point. That, that was, that was back the first. Back in the day. Back in the day. That was the first five people we had there. Yeah. And, um, and we hustled on the street mm-hmm. and got people in and said, hey, come on. There's Estonian stand-up. Come and check it out. And and people came. We had a full room. Uh, and it was like 11 p.m. or something. It yeah, was it was a decent time. Like it, was it wasn't so bad. Yeah. yeah, we just got on the street, and and that's what surprised me. Yeah, so Ro calls us up and goes, "Guy, he like we've been doing spots and bits for him." And, and Ro's a, a great friend of ours who, wherever possible, will give you a spot. He's great at the fringe as well. He's yeah. he's a very veteran there. Very well respected. And yeah, he calls me up and he's like, yo, I can't do this. You, you guys just want to take the whole hour. And we're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and it was, what, a couple of hours to go or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, well, how, how will people know it's us? How does anybody know then to come to this show? And I was like, no, look, you know, whatever, we're going to do it. 
but it was firstly because we're pretty well practiced here in Estonia. Yes. Like we know what's up. We're pretty efficient. And even back then we had our shit together. Yeah. So yeah, we just got the fuck. We didn't even have, we wouldn't have had flyers. No, we didn't we, have anything. We just were on the street, literally spooking yeah, the people. We were sh- sh- pointing. It was the same small literary street as well. Mm. And we're just pointing at the door, like there's comedy in there. <laughs> and like, go yeah. go in Young there. Estonian comedians. <laughs> Where's Estonia? Don't worry about nothing. Just go in there. 15 minutes, go Yeah, to the bottom. Yeah, uh. you, once you get to the cellar, you go into the small room and wait. Right? That, that's, that was our cellar. And, and people it fucking it. worked. Yeah. That's what's not surprised me, but like, wow, that just that hustle on the street could make such a difference. Yeah. So just in a quick time as well, it was a small amount of time we got people mm. in as well because it was really fun. And it was a great show. It was it was a good feeling to do that. It was really nice. And we got the bucket and then you had to give some to the sound guy because, you know, he gets a cut oh, yeah. of that everything was a, as well. That, was a, that sound guy had a personality. Like, <laughs> I think his name was was Reg. Yeah, it was Reg. Oh, Reg, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, you see these like sound guys and that's something... I mean, it's fun just to have have these people around as well, and they make the fringe go around. Yeah, the techies, the roadies that make it happen. So, yeah, we've got an Airbnb, and uh, we're all coming and going. We're going to be sleeping on the floor of that bits and pieces. And, uh, yeah, and then when it's all over in the first days of September, we're going to have a special English filming night. Yeah. Because I presume we're all going to be hot and me not talk uh, like, uh, you know, Hello, I do comedy for you now. We're Hello, not going to be talking. My name is Carl. Yeah, we're going to be. I do comedy for you now. <laughs> Imagine if this is how I speak all the time in English. So uh, hopefully it'll be a bit smoother with the accents. <laughs> me too. And uh, we'll yeah, be, we're having a special filming night in you September. You have an Estonian accent. But yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm going the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're doing it. Why that? is fucking Captain Kangaroo <laughs> performing on the uh, Comedy Estonia stage? We don't understand. Uh, I put the Australia shirt on. I you. saw that. That's nice. There, it's, it's actually Sunder gave this to me. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, did he get when he came back from Australia? No, no. Did actually, he? someone had brought the, these for him. But wait, like there's a second one as well. <laughs> <laughs> but but he saw it's it's a yellow shirt. Carl might need this. <laughs> Always thoughtful. Sander. I have performed yeah. in this as well during the summer tour. Some sort of summer tour. <laughs> hey, you just showed up. Uh, the picture for our summer tour. It looked friggin' sweet. Yeah, that's that's something else I've been working on. Is mm. getting the summer tour going, and I'm really happy it's going. It's, it's been going well, and we have I think it's 12 days of summer tour again. Fuck yeah! And then we have a. This is where we take a bus and we just go from town to town. At this mm. the one one new place we're going, and I'm excited about this time is Wormsy. Oh we're, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, doing yeah. the island of Wormsy. Mm. So uh, I'll I'll plug it here as well. It's on the 12th. Of, of July so if you're around Vormsi check us out that's the new thing well, what are the dates of the summer tour just so people it's, know that um, we're going to be around it starts on the 10th in Tartu mm-hmm. and it ends on the 22nd in Vuru fuck yeah so we, t- we basically do a whole round of Estonia and end up back in Vuru yeah I'm just getting my phone out to look at the wait so the 12th I, I can tell you the dates is 10th is Tartu 11th is Hapsalo 12th is uh, Vormsi 13th is Kuressaare, 14 uh. is Island Sound, 15 and 16 are Pärnu. We're going to have uh, two shows per night there uh, in Olibi. Then 17 and 18, we're going to have Vizu, Ukulele, mm. for again, two shows there. Uh, and then uh, on the 19th, uh, we're still figuring that one out, but we might uh, have something in Tartu. Um, we might be recording <laughs> in Tartu. Oh, yeah. So, and then 21st is going to be Viljandi, hopefully. Still details being mm. done on that. And then 22nd is Vero. I love it. 
yeah and that's that's something we've organized for a couple of years now and it's it's become a tradition one we enjoy and mm. uh, last uh, like I've, i haven't managed to uh, complete a tour yet <laughs> always something happens I, at the end like the first year i remember like um like five days before the end, end i had to go to a funeral i was mm. like okay perfect this is th- this is the ruin the, the end of this then last year i got a tick in my leg and it started to fester, so I had a I had a rotting leg that I had, to, yep. I had to I had to I had to work that out like three days before the the end of the thing, and and I think one year before something was was up as well. So it's usually like a couple of days before the end. I've always had to go. Something's happened. Yeah. Oh, the summer tour is great, guys. If you can come along to these shows in July, come along. And the story of how we got to the summer tour is a really interesting one too. Yes. Because it speaks of that organization and shit too. Because it was, I mean, that's three, how many, three, four years ago? Something like that? Four years ago. This is our fourth, yeah. You know, like we're Comedy Estonia, right? We run our shit. We got our fucking admin people. uh, we're, We're properly organizing our stuff the best that we can. And what it used to be is that we would, do so much work uh, and then we would hit summer and go fuck this end of the season god I am fucked guys I don't want you to talk to me until <laughs> summer and then you kind of came and said well can we just organize our own gigs in summer and I went oh, that's, uh, that's not a bad idea actually Yeah. and I like it because uh, I think it's great for you guys that you get your own shit to organize and you know Lewis and Merrily and Hella are not in the middle of it and I think that's very good for you guys to have that and do it on your own terms. Um, I will still occasionally use you as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you guys drive it and run it and, and that's great, right? That you, you know, you don't need permission. Not that there's permissions like that, but you know what I mean, right? You don't yeah. need a permission. We don't have to consult. Consult. Bas- basically make sure everything's yeah. still like the schedules and so, so on or all. Right, exactly. And there's a free month so we don't have to worry about nothing else. And more than that as well, like it's a chance for us to experiment. Yes. Because we're usually pretty regiment. You know, we, we know a formula. Get, we always get new venues. Yeah, we get year. new venues. You can do outside shit, island sound. For example, this year the first new place is Wormsy, right? Yeah. A uh, year before it was uh, Wuru was the the stadium in Gumaya where we're doing it, mm. setting house, and we've had other shows in that place now as well because we found it on the summer yeah. tour. And it's interesting, like we try and find these smaller places and 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 different th- venues for for summer tours. And we've done summer tour uh, in towns we've had venues before, but we try new new things in the summer, or new venues and. Sometimes you just don't work out and we never go there. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's why it's super important because if we do a show, typically, you know, we want to make it good, right? We don't really half-ass anything and we want to make sure some people turn up and it's not like two people in the audience and shit like that. So, yeah, the summer tour kind of gives us this freedom to just try stuff. It's it's interesting how it's evolved from year into year as well because the first year of summer tour it was uh everybody basically got a town like a town to to organize and some people were more successful in that and some people were more comedian (laughs) about (laughs) it so so some things didn't happen and uh, that's fine that was all a learning thing right and the first a uh, couple of years of, of summer tour as well, like because the organization-wise, every year later on, I took more responsibility for myself because hey, it, it made sense one person to do all the organization yeah, for, right. for the places. Then everybody had their own thing and nobody knew what was going on. And like, sure, some but some person would do something else. Like this year, for example, Sunder organized the the transport and all, all that kind of thing. Like someone does something, right? But also the drinking has been interesting year to year because it started out really insane. Like we, we, everybody got drunk the f- 
first couple of years because it's summer let's drink <laughs> i can remember one year where rauno would just oh, we, he no. he vomited at least twice a day <laughs> so you clocked by it yeah, yeah. It's the am or the pm bar yeah and i like i have <laughs> i have video footage of him vomiting every day like different places that, because sometimes i remember i if it was a tent we had to some nights we sleep in a tent right yeah. and uh, i would usually be in the car because I, I I'm more comfortable sleeping when sitting than in in a in a tent, and uh, I could just see from the car Rano coming out of the tent, going a little bit further and just just spraying, and I'm just filming like he need, he needs to see this in the morning, <laughs> and that's that's a video series I have now. <laughs> Tremendous, the Rano barfing series. You sent me one the other day before Tartal Comedy Night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just see this figure in the distance under a tree going, <laughs> okay. was just randomly hungover. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, but like last year, almost nobody drank. Yeah, like it's interesting as well. People have just sort of gotten older. Maybe, <laughs> I yeah. We've turned into like a little camp. There's like Ari's giving fucking jujitsu lessons or something. <laughs> We're having little wor- riding workshops throughout the day. I, we go for a swim. I should do Dungeons and Dragons next this year. Yeah, <laughs> organize a little thing. It's tremendous. I can't wait. I think most of July is open for me. Uh, I don't seem to have so many privates coming up, which is great. I really want to. I want to come out to the island because I've never been out to Orosade. Oh yeah, that's that's really sound. fun as well. Yeah, yeah. because we have two nights there. Basically, we do the first uh, evening. We do one in Kurasare, uh, which is a bit more intimate and uh, not as insane of a show. Yeah. But then you have the Island Sound show, which is huge festival ground, way too many people, it's sound not working properly or something, <laughs> right? And and the, it still works. I mean, the the show it still works. It's all good. Oh yeah, we're having fun. Oh, it's it, it's really fun. But we're not doing positivos this year. No. Uh, at the end, usually at the end of the summer tour, it's been positivos. But this time, because they scheduled it later, mm. that's one of the main reasons. We just because we found that twelve days is the amount that is perfect for us to be in one Rano location. Rano can only bath so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because on day 13, we get murderous <laughs> with each other. Like, <laughs> because the, the first, magic number. The first tour was 14 days, mm. and at the end, Game we over. wouldn't talk with each other for a week. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm not even talking things like Daniel does when he you know, puts his... Uh, underpants in a <laughs> in a toilet and clogs it or something like that that happened last summer tour oh my god can you imagine 12 fucking days with retardo there fucking <laughs> underwears on their head shit like that mullets growing out things are going nuts toilets overflowing yeah. <laughs> also with Positivas um, from what Edgar's from Comedy Latvia told me uh, they've got rid of that stage the arts and nature Cra- yeah, no, stage nature, whatever yeah. it was so if you've ever seen us at Positivas perform that beautiful stage where there's the big bank of dirt and you can all watch there and yeah. it's like an amphitheater that's not even a stage anymore yeah. and they were like we have this the fucking other stage with the regular like just a bit of ground with the regular music stage and we're like yeah. nah it's not because really it doesn't look it. quite that. You can't get that m- as many people. It's can't not even sit a- down. There's no sitting down. Yeah, right? and it's also like you have still have the security barriers and all that yeah. in front. It's not as good. Like it's basically would be like making um, doing a hip hop festival show on the main stage. Yes, it's, it wouldn't feel the same. Hip hop's perfect in that tent. Yes. Oh, bro. I think I don't have. I I get back from Edinburgh the day before hip hop, so I don't. I'm going to try to get down because last year I took the caravan and it was, oh God, I love that caravan. (laughs) I took, uh, I I decided to go on a holiday trip um, with my partner at the time around Estonia. But the first two nights we spent at hip hop. And so we parked it 
right next to the artist entrance. Like, yes. no, we didn't ask no one for yeah. fucking authorization. We just parked our caravan right next to the artist <laughs> entrance and we just came and went, hotboxed this goddamn caravan <laughs> all night long. Because I know inside of the thing, you know, it's hip hop, but they're still checking. We yeah. hotboxed it. We ate tons of food. We walk around. Oh, I had the best time at hip hop. That's great. Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. seeing that caravan. It, was, it looked great and felt great inside as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm look so it's cool. Some um, we, we are still, even though some of us are going to be in Edinburgh, we are still doing hip hop festival as show. So yes, that's do, right. If Whoever's you are at hip hop festival, do come to the show. And because we do it on the uh, the midday, the next day, the mm. the hangover show. Yes, you can all come along at twelve uh, and just hear us. And Sander Sander specifically set. His uh, Edinburgh he Fringe. His date. Yeah, his dates at Edinburgh Fringe, yeah. so he could go to hip hop because he's, you know, he's Mr. Yeah. Hip Hop, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's cool. So, and if you do have any friends in, in Edinburgh, any relatives, do tell them to come over at least one evening, preferably <laughs> the first one. Yeah, if you want to come, I mean, that's the thing. Some people come to the Edinburgh Fringe; they want to see what's going on. We're going to be there. Uh, I don't know if you really want to know who's on each night. We can tell you if you write <laughs> to us. Uh, but it's going to be like I mean, four me, or five. Me and Ari are going to be there every night, the so. whole time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in the Fringe is a good place. Um, we're going to perform there, but it's a good place to just visit as well, especially if you're interested in comedy, because the amount of stand-up going on there is insane. You can see pretty much everybody who's big in, in Europe, not as not as many um, American performance, True. but uh, whoever is big in, in the European comedy scene is going to be there with their own show, and you can see four or five shows an evening easily. Mm. Like easily, and so many free shows. A lot of comedians, also, what a lot of comedians will do, maybe mid level comedians, is they'll have a lot of uh, free, like these free fringe things we talked about with the bucket. They'll have that during the day, and then their ticketed show in the evening, and the sort of the bucket sort of pays for their expenses. So you can see great comedians in the middle of the day if you want to get out at 12, 1, something like that. And and a good place to get information on that is is PBH Free Fringe, which is the organization we're also involved with, Mm. and they have the probably the biggest lineup of, of, of uh, free shows there. It's going to be tremendous. Yeah, I'm really, again, I'm really looking forward to and it. The, and the, li- I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe I don't know what opportunities we've got with live streaming because that's what I like. Like, I really love how, uh, whatever it was, two and a half weeks ago, how you guys did the Eurovision thing. Mm. And uh, that's what I love. The podcasting, everyone's got their podcast now. Everyone's working some shit out. And because we turned on the Eurovision and that was I think what four to five hundred constant yes. viewers it was it was about it was a 500 and then at one point uh, or actually I, it, it peaked at 500 it was 400 most of the time mm. and then I had uh, a, the internet reset the router reset for a moment oh. so the internet went down for about 10 seconds and okay. we lost 100 people during that <laughs> so that was weird strange. how fickle is the internet <laughs> yeah. oh my fucking shitty router at home <laughs> it was still fine like yeah. it was at 10 seconds it's fine but for the <laughs> people had to press F5 to refresh yeah, right. and 100 people didn't. I had to make, I made some changes since I was playing with my home setup. Yeah, basically, and that's what I loved about that Edinburgh Fringe, th- sorry, Edinburgh Fringe, the Eurovision thing is that all the dudes just pout plied over to my apartment and we could just set up a thing and record and that's a thing now. Yeah. And we get, we didn't even try hard to promote it. <laughs> we just turned it on and like 400 people listened. Yes. And I just love that idea and, I'd like I'd like to do something daily from the fringe as well. Okay, that's cool. But man. I'm thinking about that, and and but it, it comes down to the technical uh, bits basically, sure. because I'm thinking of taking my uh, mixer and stuff and and setting the full up. fucking mixer. Like yeah, 
dude you got a big mixer like it's a big ass like it I don't is know a big mixer but i think i mean i'm gonna i have carry-on luggage so okay. I'll, I'll put it in the how many yellow shirts i'm gonna take with me anyway like <laughs> most of it's going to be flyers so like half the bag's gonna be flyers i can put the mixer on top of the flyers and then have the yeah right <laughs> have the yellow shirts on the other side because when i go to america i'm gonna take but i'm probably gonna take like a portable recorder like a tascam i'm gonna go yeah. talk to marco of a deal and he'll hook me up with some stuff yeah um, because I, I a couple have, of lapel mics as well. I have a big mixer, but the main idea is because it has a lot of a lot of, has a lot of holes. <laughs> I like them holes, you know, because you can have so many mics. And like, if we ha- if we have four or five people there, yeah. I can mic everybody up, right? That is true. But I'm thinking, I'll, I'll that's all I'm looking. I might get uh, just two mics and a Tascam as well. Sure. Um, yeah, and now that you, you guys also maybe if you your listeners, you might have seen on the the Comedy Estonia YouTube that uh, I put up a clip from Ari's show and I, I'm trying to, I'm filming this as well. We've got the dodgy oh, yeah. ass fucking camera up there and I'm going to clip some of this stuff up as well and put it up. And, uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell everyone the story of how we oh, got yeah. this camera. Oh, yeah. This camera is the Kodumang camera, that, that, that game show. And this was years and years ago and they agreed to let us on the Kodumang. Brendan and, Burns was on that. I know. It was me... James Ramsden, Ellen Vampire, and Brendan Burns. Internationally renowned, <laughs> famous stand-up comedian, Brendan Burns, just happened to be in the country the day before, and somehow we hooked it up that yeah. he would be on the show. And we had, what's his name? Old mate fucking Indrek. Yeah. What's his name? Indrek from uh, Winnie Pooh. Yeah, I know what you who mean. Who the, yeah. uh, the host was. Name, but, uh, and they're asking us, the, we're getting every fucking question wrong. We don't know nothing. We're like looking to everyone going, hey, what was the answer? Tell us. Give and us he, a hint. Anyway. And we, uh, James and I, we're arguing and going off. Ellen's going crazy. <laughs> and Indrek cannot control us. <laughs> he understands that he's in, not in control of his own TV show <laughs> at this stage. Mute and, to me. Yeah, and there was that one moment when Brendan Burns turns to, just turns to Indrek. He's trying to grab control. Yeah. He's desperately trying to <laughs> regain control of his own TV program. <laughs> and Brendan Burns turns to him and says... Is your mother proud of you? And just <laughs> destroys him. Just, we lose our shit. With yeah. Oh my God. I th- believe that part got edited out. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. And we basically bullied our way into this camera. <laughs> and we were like, we got the question wrong. We we're like, no, 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 no. You're going to give us the camera. No. <laughs> and it's not even a great camera. <laughs> but it's a camera. <laughs> it's still a camera. That's the one we're using I here. love the fact that the story is probably more worth more than the camera itself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, though, of course, sponsored by Euronics. Thank you, Roger Andre. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I yeah, it. so we put the, the... I put that first clip up there and uh, of me and Ari and... Because I think clips are really important for podcasts. I think they're the way to, like, people can take little chunks and get into yeah. your shit and find out what it is because... We're already at what one See hour forty. Oh my god, it's gonna be a sweaty place. Uh, oh. It's one hour forty, so you don't want to listen to that crap. You want a clip, um, and so I deliberately chose one with Ari because it's gonna be popular, and I deliberately chose him talking about weed because that's a popular subject to experiment with that. But I felt such a. I still feel extremely self conscious, um, and I'll tell you why. Because you were naked there. Well, that's true. I mean, besides having a rock hard hard on <laughs> and waving around, smacking Ari in the face for 20 seconds. No. Um, Suddenly that clip gets a lot more views. <laughs> oh, dude, it's going to go bananas. Um, because, that, because that clip was uh, about me. 
And mm. I have a lot of problems to self-promote. Um, I love doing this podcast almost more than anything else, but I resist and I put it off. Why would I logically resist doing something that I love? Why would yeah. I? Because there's deep inside, I fear and I have self-confidence issues and I'm worried and I have a certain place as the manager and leader, but you know, I understand I'm totally fine with not being the strongest creative output. And I don't need to be. That's not the point. I'm not here to wave my dick around and oh, I'm the best, right? No, I'm just the best one at or, or hoping to lead everyone along the way. So when I come to put out my own shit, uh, I get extremely self-conscious yeah. about it. And even I was like, oh, do I really want to put it up on the Comedy Estonia page? I don't want to hassle people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to annoy people. And, you know, I, there was still that voice in the back of my head that logically says, stop being a fucking idiot. Yeah. Just put the, you know, make your nice clickbaity little thumbnail and put it on Comedy Estonia YouTube. And because uh, that's the place, right? I am a member of this. Yeah. I have helped to grow this. I am exactly. still a creative force it's here. your channel as much as everybody's. Right. So I have that. And it was my own self-doubt. If anything, you create the channel. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, no, if anything, Sanders Views created the channel. But that's fine. We don't have to split hairs on that one. We're all helping each other. Um, but I, I still have... Because I, I have this balance between being uh, the leader and a creative output... It's always been a little bit tricky for that, where for other guys, it's more obvious to just do that. Um, I feel like you have that as well. Yes. A little I've, bit difficult to put, kind of put yourself out there. I've in always that had way. that because the way I was raised was um, that you should never be proud of yourself in a way. Huh. Because um, like my mother was always that if, there's, if, if you say anything good about yourself, that's basically invitation for God to take it away from you. <laughs> okay. Like I, she was very superstitious. Yeah, so weirdly I, religious. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Okay, superstitious, not religious. Supersti- like she was, she's a little bit religious. Like my grandmother was very religious. Uh-huh. So she got, got a little bit from that. And, and not as much as all, only God, but more about believing in faith right, uh, as such. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was like, yeah, but it, it was, the saying that hey don't say it god will take it away from you and fate doesn't want you to to say good things so it was always like you couldn't say anything good and if you said anything good about yourself she made us you know do superstitious stuff like spit over her shoulder or stuff like that <laughs> and knock on wood and all all that stuff so it's it's always been difficult for me to come out of my shell because of that because whenever i felt good about anything i had to keep it inside i couldn't say anything and it's mm. only now later on uh, in the in my sort of life and career that i've said hey I, I am. I, it's okay to s- say I'm doing this right, and this is how this is. I enjoy doing this and all that stuff. But how do you feel you're going with that? Like, because it's it, and it's a constant struggle. Yeah. As well, and you can if you look at my own. You want if you're listening right now, look at my Instagram. Like the last thing is from a couple of weeks ago. I don't have a lot of pictures of myself there. I'm. I get it because I super suffer from it in the same way i i do like i'm i'm definitely better at it when i when i started because back in the day like i i it was difficult for me to do even self-promotion but for example the tour now i'm i'm constantly saying i'm proud of this show that i am and i i say that and i've said on facebook on on twitter and everywhere that i'm proud of this and come and see it and and that's also like calling people to action is is a big thing of of that like you can just it's a difference of saying hey i'm proud of this tour and i'm proud of this tour so you should buy a ticket and come see this tour mm. i feel that's also a, a bit that i had to work to 
towards to get to that point but now i am already at that point it's just i guess it's also of constantly reminding myself to do it i think that's it it's that constant struggle and that's why i wanted to talk to you about it because i get it and it's not if you've been so deeply programmed with that it takes a long time to beat that out of the system and i uh it's taken me extremely long time and i don't even i don't think i've beaten it out as loud and brash and obnoxious as i am i think whenever we've had sort of differences it's been on this topic like whenever Mm. we've had sort of i wouldn't say arguments but any any sort of of friction between us two it's always been on this topic Mm. that i've i i sort of have to pull myself out of my shell to do more self-promotion and and more more of that that bit that's always been i think the the main issue as well and i mean there's no easy answer for this it's just Mm. It's time. It's constantly reminding myself. I'm I'm getting better at Instagram and all that stuff as well. And I do. I, I constantly remind myself to post stuff. And yeah. I just put selfies up sometimes. It's tough, yeah. And it's tough to know what to post, isn't it? And yeah. I mean, I've even at some stages gone to the point of having like a schedule. And not because I want to be a social media fag, but just because to remind myself yeah. now is the day. What Today, you need to find something about what you've done today and that's not just to be a social media star that's because our jobs are in the show business that's kind of part and parcel of what we've accepted with this and yeah god damn it's hard to push myself to do that i feel i've got a little bit better at uh because i i'm more open to be myself now on social media as well because for a time i was it was very much of trying to be formal in it in a way it is it's hard it. to know your voice there because i it? wanted to be sort of hey this is this is my official channel of promoting myself yeah. and this is what i'm doing right now this is a picture of me this is a joke i've written and stuff like that but mm. now it's just i'm more myself on, on there i just there's a stupid picture i like of myself because i'm a vain person down deep <laughs> deep down right I'm, i do stand up i'm <laughs> <laughs> you cannot say anybody does stand up isn't a vain person right mm. you we want to be on stage so i'll do selfies sometimes or whatever pictures and one i like and feel is, is stupid enough in a way i'll put that up sure. and uh, tweets as well when i i think of the way i use twitter is um some people put uh, like older jokes on it or something because the way i write is i write a longer segment right oh uh, you were saying before w- yeah, yeah. Of, of many bits and i'll put one bit from there on twitter sometimes sure. because hey this is something i can use and sometimes i won't ever use that in a joke actually anymore because some jokes are more twitter jokes and some are are, are more j- stage jokes so yeah i understand i god damn i gotta hold myself back from that as soon as i write something funny i want to write it on twitter <laughs> and i found myself doing that last week i was writing a series of tweets and I wasn't even thinking about writing stand-up. I was just like, yeah, that's something funny. I'm going to make a tweet about it, whatever. And then I've got like three tweets on that topic. I'm like, wait, that's a fucking bit. Oh, shit. I've just now put my bit to Twitter. And it's so hard to hold that back yeah. when you've got that. And thankfully, I did. Thankfully, the really good punchline I didn't actually put. I've saved that finally. Sometimes when I am when I start writing some days, I'll just look at, hey, what did I put on Twitter? And then I look and then just to get a topic on what to write. Okay. Because usually if you have a joke on Twitter that you're not written material about, then your subconscious has been working on that kind of topic anyway. Mm. So there's more likely that you'll have some jokes on that. I, I find for me anyway. I think the filming is going to be good for you. I think it's good because you're going to have that solid hour of content yeah. filmed. And now it does seem like it's all about the YouTube. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, you've got those clips to put up there and so forth. Yeah, and I'm. I think 
sort of self-promotion on that as well. I mean, I'm always willing to do it. It depends on which kind of media. Like, oh, mm-hmm. as well, I'm happy to be on a podcast and talk about it. Or and if anybody wants to get me on TV to talk about it, I'm fine <laughs> as well, right? I'm, I'm looking at you, Rekop, and I mean, we could do Eurovision together. <laughs> I don't know how uh, su- suddenly I'm flirting with Marco Rekop over, over, over this camera. podcast. What's up, big boy? <laughs> right, and it's that... Um, Though it's that uh, that pushing to do it, yeah, and that's what I have a big problem as well. Like pushing, not just if someone like someone calls me up, yeah, sure, I'll come on exactly. your thing. But I've never really thought to um, push myself out there. And in some ways, what we have is good; in some ways, not. Like I, I became very calm a couple of years ago when it finally started to dawn on me that we don't need the media. And because the common thing when we're starting off mm. is like, yeah, we got to get it on the TV show. Yeah. And we did. We had the special on uh, New Year's Eve. And even that was a lesson that when you work with someone else, they will have some level of creative control. And while the jokes and the bits were ours, uh, ERR, that New Year's Eve special that we did several years ago, they edited it. Uh, they added the titles. Yes. They added, the, they added the, the actual name of the show. And we were pretty fucking pissed off at the time, and um, because we were like, "What? This is uh, stuff. We should do uh, what they Artistic did to them. Uh, this is not the. Uh, you cut it one half second <laughs> earlier than I would cut it. You cut the laugh out halfway through. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a greater understanding there that well, okay, if you agree to a collaboration, which is what it is, we were a bit naive yeah. to go on the TV is a form of collaboration that you accept that there's going to be some level of creative control. Uh, or, sorry, creative sharing. Yes. Unless you are big enough to be able to do it yourself. Um, so, yeah, when... when and, and that burnt us a bit. Uh, I, and I think from our own wrong expectations... Well, there was a learning experience. Right, of how shit works. Yeah. That we were just wrong with our expectations. You learn more with sort of failing at something than you do with... Yeah, uh, with or getting pissed off. So, I mean, I think it was a fail. No, I think those clips still stand up. But yeah, I get what you... Or failing to recognize that. Yeah. Um, and then I became very calm when I understood like, oh, wait, we uh, don't need to uh, suck up to the TV anymore. Yeah. Actually, we've got enough YouTube fans. And as it turns out, we don't need to have thousands. We had... We just need 400 listening to us on Eurovision and we're going to grow that and that's great. And it's better to have 400 fans when you're just doing exactly what you want to do yeah. rather than 4,000. Because you know people are coming there for you and for not you. just turning it on randomly. Yeah. And in many... And look, in most ways, I think that is a good thing for us. I, absolutely. Without doubt, this is absolutely the way we want to go. We're clearly all individualistic. We clearly all want to control it. We all seem to share the same philosophy that we'd rather have the 400 rather than the 4,000 as long as it means that we can do it exactly how we want to do it. I think it's, um, it's a good point you, you bring up as well with the fact that like, I'm, I'm completely willing if, if people ask me to be in a show and do something, mm. I'd go. Like sure. this is Who because yeah. because I'm also I know I would do decent at it yeah. like when I've been on radio or a couple of times on some some something TV related mm. I know I can provide them with what they want basically I mm. can be the person they want in that situation and that's fine I can still be myself in that situation as well but I've never been the person who seeks that out who's mm. going 
hammering on doors like hey let me in right. i want to be in was, uh, i was actually just reading now i'm reading an interesting book um uh, by simon amstel who's okay. uh, who's a stand-up comedian yeah, in yeah, yeah. and the book's called help and it's basically it it in essence, and he admits it, uh, himself as well, it's uh, transcripts from his uh, own <laughs> own stand-up specials, right? Uh-huh. But he's added more bits, and it's, it's about basically him wanting, most of all in life, wanting to be on TV. Mm-hmm. More than stand-up even, like stand-up was just a way for him to get on TV eventually, and how he understood that that dream was pointless in the, in the end that wasn't what he what he wanted from from from, from life in the end and it's, it's an interesting read i'm i'm almost finished with it okay. but that's what is I'm it thinking. without the spoil is it because he understood the tv was dumb or because he understood eventually that the fame is dumb and it's not about the fame like just to be famous on I tv is a dumb I'm, goal i'm getting i think it's a bit both okay is, is what i'm getting it from mm-hmm. from now i mean he's still i think it's a, it's a bit like how tv's changed as well it's not the the space you can actually be yourself but you have to be someone specific uh, because there's a good good point of of he, in the beginning of the book he says he did children's uh, tv on uh, nickelodeon right uh. and how he got fired because he was too sarcastic at it <laughs> because after years of doing it he just got tired and he said like he was sarcastic and he had to find a new thing right tremendous yeah you've got to adapt you've got to and that, i guess that's the 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 the, the, the the fate that you and I have asked for and that we have to just work so hard to embrace is that we have asked for this freedom. Yes. But with free, freedom isn't free or something. I don't know why I said It that. has its price. Uh, it has its price. That now that we've asked for this freedom, we have asked that we want no one fucking with our shit anymore. We just, but that means then we have to do our own shit. Yes. And that level of, and that's what I mean with the podcast. Why? I don't have a schedule. I can do it whenever I want. Uh, why am I not? God damn. I, I, ha- I, I have more hard. of a schedule for my podcast. You do. You guys every week, right? But, Which is very good. Yes. But sometimes I don't manage to meet that. And it's a tragic thing for me because sometimes I'm just too ill to do it myself mm. or whatever. And if I don't have enough pre-recorded, it, it eats at me because it, oh, it's another week I couldn't, I couldn't deliver on time. That's it, isn't it as well? Some level of when we are trying to avoid these things yeah uh which we will do we're both very clever individuals we will find ways and justifications of you know why am i doing a podcast well i'm working a lot and uh (laughs) haven't really found another guest and uh, i don't want to just have another comedy guy on you know i want to uh uh we're we're very clever so we will find very clever ways of, of justifying it but i think deep down we know that it's hurting us internally to not do that yes. more than it hurts than the initial push yeah definitely and that's what with any project as well i find it because i'm um i well if you you want to do something and you keep pushing it on and on mm-hmm. it starts to eat your soul for me at least it starts eating my soul yeah. more than if I had just sort of sucked it up in the beginning and done it and sort of get the relief of, of finishing the project. And like for me, if I if I've if I've done something, the depression is, is slightly there, but that's because I have to do a new project. And that's it, it's it's more in that pushing on the new project and pushing that further away that the depression starts to mount again. But there's initial relief of ah, I've done it now. And that's interesting as well for people. If if you are writing in about the, <laughs> the fact, if you feel that initial relief as well, it sure. would be nice to nice to hear. That I think it. What I've been doing to try to counter this is to very strongly remember those moments of relief. Yes. yes. To really think about them, maybe even write about them, and think about 
because you don't understand when that thing's eating at you. I guess you don't really get it. Oh, I mean, like it's more obvious than when the release happens, and then you you feel that. And uh, I I felt that recently. I'm going to talk in another podcast more and more about this, but uh, I'm now 19 days without weed. Uh, I'm also well I thank you. Uh, I have so I haven't had smoked any marijuana in 19 days. Uh, and I've also moved all of my video games out into a storage container and uh, put them away, got them out of my place. So you, that night with Eurovision was the last night it was there. That night, I mean, I got drunk. I went to studio. I was firing up. Uh, that was the last night of all of that. The games yeah. went, the weed went, the whole thing went. And... To make that decision, I, I love how how you had a little send off for your collection of oh, us yeah, all yeah. seeing it and all that. So yeah, you guys got to see. We were there. It. There was the thing. museum sort of tour as well. It was lovely. It, it was a great collection. I have to oh, it's a fine is. collection. Yeah, and I can't. It's storage. I can't bear to sell it. But it was the decision. For some reason, all the bits, all these disparate bits of my life, season eight Game of Thrones ending suddenly converged together to bring these all these plots together into yeah. one end which is like this shit's got to go right now and i've got to make the decision to get off the weed uh because it was holding me back it was like it was that crutch it was that thing i was holding on to and since i've made that decision a lot of things have flowed easier yeah. for me since then and i'm trying to take it gently on myself I'm trying to consider myself someone who is figuratively and literally a, a recovering addict uh recovering from the this stimulus and this thing yeah. uh, but then and also recovering as a dead set weed addict as well um and it's helping me make better decisions and it's helping me see that i need to do this so what i was pleasantly surprised with is I started to do stand-up again. Yeah. And it just naturally came back. I didn't have to push it. Yeah. It just all of a sudden some bits came out. All of a sudden I'm super excited. My brain's a bit clearer because I'm not on the weed. And I'm loving it. And I, the podcast is like the next step. Yeah. I need to... I know I've got to just keep plugging away at this to make this a natural thing because it was... I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, the weed was, or somehow, not even the weed, the pressure, yeah. the, that thing that, that you don't understand, it was telling me that I couldn't do good art and that I couldn't, not even, that I couldn't, I just wouldn't do it. It was like when you're right there on the line and you're like, I know if I just sit down and write jokes for an hour, I'll have an hour's worth of jokes or I'll have, you know, an hour's worth of writing done. I'll have a couple of jokes, but I don't do it. Yeah. I think it's a little bit about existing in potential. I don't know. Maybe there's some fucked up no, love I, I of potential. I what you mean. Like that the, the jokes you don't write are better than the ones you write. Maybe, yeah. The podcast I don't make is yeah. better than the podcast, yeah, that are, yeah, yeah whatever. The potential podcast. The potential is that. And I, maybe that's what was holding me back creatively. Something was holding me back creatively. And I'm wondering if that's what it was. Uh, so now the bits and pieces, and I'm trying to take it really calmly, and I'm not trying to rush too many podcasts, but. Uh, yeah, that is opening that up. But there was that fear. There's some sort of fear of success. Okay. Fear of putting yourself out there. Almost a fear of success in a way. A fear of doing... I don't know. It was such an odd, yeah. odd, very deeply 
ingrained, like so deep that I can't quite work it out. But somehow it's slowly well, being coming unstuck. At least you're unstuck. on the path of working it out. Oh, I'm on the path, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That through these, but it was through that main decision, as well as many other little things yeah. that came together. But though, though those two decisions, so yeah, that it's so weird to live in that potential zone without how, actually done how it. How does um, sort of having the pressure of of um, responsibility help or hinder you in for example if there's a group project right mm. how is the knowledge of if i don't do this then other people will suffer from it how, does that help or hinder you in any way but is that pre- is that good pressure or bad pressure for you because for me that's good pressure that's that's mm. a crutch i use sometimes is uh, because i know that if it's if it's something i just do for myself mm. i'll more often than not just not do it because i'll find a good excuse right sure. i'll be a clever but if i know there's someone else involved as well and their sort of benefits or whatever involved as well then i will definitely be on it quicker that's why i'm i find i'm good at group writing projects because i know other people are involved so i have a responsibility and i will i will be there you know, the first person doing doing things this is where my brain is very clever and i think particularly w- w- with artists who have got somewhere the brain is they're clearly very clever people and then they can also though then make up very clever reasons <laughs> for why they shouldn't be doing something and i think what i used to construct was that uh because not even the balance of being oh i'm the organizer and the artist not even that pressure but what i could do is very cleverly construct an environment where i wasn't a creative element in the middle of it so i didn't put my didn't i could still be in the middle of this i could still be mr comedy estonia and doing all these things and supporting and being an important part of the crew but i didn't have to be the creative force and i think that my brain was extremely clever now that's had other knock-ons which is mean hey we got a great company and i've really pushed myself into that i'm a very experienced leader now and i like all that stuff but i think that's what my clever brain kind of worked my way into that I I knew that I could still be here because if you are like someone else who's just a comedian up and coming well if you can't be in the writing group or you can't be a functional person or you're not creative well unfortunately you're not going to be really a strong part of our crew because we're yeah. a meritocracy and we value the work and the effort and the and this is a very the artistic. strong teamwork right yeah. it's very Every, important that genuine like, work e- even for someone's individual careers teamwork is a big part of it because we still look at each other's performances and we're very open on our evaluation yeah. and things and and we still help each other wherever we can really it's it's a good it's probably a rare thing in stand-up I, I, oh i think say. it's absolutely rare what comedy <laughs> estonia has that a bunch of fucking individualistic creative retarded uh, comedians stand-up comedians inherently individualistic by definition that we manage to work this well in a group is an absolute godsend fucking miracle how this happens makes your life really easy <laughs> i don't know that how we've managed to do this this shouldn't on paper work yeah that's true that a bunch of individualistic people like this if can you, come together if you hear a stories about any other comedy scenes it's like how what are you people doing oh, they want to fucking knife each other <laughs> yeah. there's things yelling work together you, yeah. you'd be a lot further if you just work together just yeah. man, like manage your egos i mean it's not even like you can still have an ego and and, and be in a group sure it's possible yeah so yeah i managed i could still be in the group without being unleashing exploring my full creativity you you could be business lewis and not artist lewis artist lewis right so 
that's another plot line that's come back together that I spoke before about, well, the revolution has kind of done. The We're out of the danger zone. Yeah. There's still work to be done. We're still working hard. We're still on the path getting there. But we're out of the danger zone, meaning that I don't have to be so... I don't have the excuse anymore to be so crazily intense on the focused on the business i can be more relaxed i can take a higher level view of things and we're also at a point where we can have other people help us on the admin side That's, we've got great people we've got just enough money yeah, was, to make sure we've got a couple of employees to take care of things. you in right. your apartment just trying to keep things together oh right? my god back in the day i remember that first little apartment i was in i was in helsinki trying to organize ahmed baran to come <laughs> over and come and do a show and i'm writing to people late at night so yeah that that has also been a factor. You can't deny that, that as we've got to that level and now I've understood like, oh, it's going to be all right. And I wasn't, maybe I was a bit addicted to the pressure. I'm not sure. But now that we're at that level where there's good, good, solid people looking after things, I don't have to be worried about everything all the time. It's taken me a while. That's another plot line that's pulled together that, okay, I can step back. I can relax and I can... You know, they will let me just be an artist for yeah. a night or for a few days or something like that. Uh, yeah, so that's a very that's also why I'm enjoying this time right now. I don't have to stress that we're gonna die so I can yeah. cool and calm. I guess this this will lead me to an inter- sort of personal question as well okay. because for me, um, one of the things I have to deal with daily is I'm bipolar, so I have manic phases and I have depression phases. So it's basically a wave that comes and goes. And um, these affect my productivity a lot because if I'm in a manic phase, I'll get a lot of shit done really quickly. Like I'll be any project or anything. I there's never any excuses. I'll just do things. Mm. But if if I'm in a if I am in a depressive phase, which is sadly more common in a way that are sort of longer, mm. then. Um, I have to really address that situation and, and I have to go, oh, you still need to do this. Like send this email. You're not this, the world isn't over yet. You're just in a phase and you'll get over it. And and that's sort of a thing I have to deal with every time. That's definitely that hinders me and I, I have to realize. But you have anxiety often. Mm-hmm. So is, is that something that you've sort of, as, as, um, as you go into artistic mode, how much does that sort of, do you have to manage that in a way or is that sort of mm. something that, that you can sort of turn turn to your benefit now or just sort of realize that I'm, there's an anxiety thing going on, I'll deal with the artistic side after it's done or, or how does that, is it, what's mm. the effect there? That is that is a fucking 17-hour podcast in itself. It's, but it's a very personal to, question. No, no, not at all. To break, oh, it is, but to break it down, um, not at all to wash over anxiety or try to sum it up in a small way yeah. but the the two things that come to my mind one is that uh recently i've been trying to work a lot on well by by making that decision to get rid of the weed which is a decision that says i can do it on my own yeah. that i can achieve this i don't need that crutch i don't need to run to that i'm using it as a crutch i want to identify some of the reasons why i have these obsessive behaviors maybe i need a little spirituality in my life maybe i need a little depth underneath the surface uh that's provoked discussions with my parents as i was mm. talking about earlier um and for years i i used alcohol to help me right, through, through the things but it's all the like, same like, like, whatever your addiction might be a couple of years ago i decided to stop drinking pretty much as well mainly it's because hard. it didn't make me a good person and it, it's i thought as well hey I'm, I'm actually i'll be better without it it's no longer fun so 
that I'm trying to view my anxiety as, first of all, it's me and it's my reaction to the world. So if someone does it, my friend does something and that makes me anxious, I'm like, it's not her, it's usually her, it's not (laughs) her fault. How do you say Uh, that about me? But (laughs) It's not, it's my reaction to that. And I have to be controlled to that. Um, And I I have some uh, tools and abilities to control my reaction to that situation. Um, And I'm also trying to now view anxiety not as this consuming thing. You know, you can go, oh, it consumes me. It's too much. Um, I'm trying to, when I feel it coming on, take that as a sign that I have not taken enough time for myself. Yeah. That I need to relax a little more, take, uh, take a few hours off, take a morning off. Um, or that I haven't had enough sleep typically. And that's exactly what I did last night. I mean, that was that hot as ass day <laughs> yesterday. Uh, I'd done jujitsu during the day. I hadn't been sleeping much during the week and I was out. I just couldn't function in last night. Oh, last yes, night. I remember. You looked tired, yeah. I was totally out of it. I went home. I slept nine and a half hours. I got up. I wrote for two hours in the morning. And well, because we're here now, I have that privilege that I can take a morning off and, yeah. and I feel so much better for it. So I'm taking that anxiety and going, I was getting anxious at what my friend said to me. Oh, I'm taking that as a cue. I probably need more sleep and I need to relax. Yeah. Took that time. And then uh, I feel, so now I don't feel anxious today. I feel that's a very good sort of approach you have. It, that's what I feel with any kind of mental thing is the fact that you need to realize you have a mental thing, right? Is it bipolar? Is it being anxious? Or is it anxiety? Or if you're just depressed or whatever, it's realizing you have it. And then you can sort of, as, as you said, you realize it's coming on and you're, you realize it's a thing. It's just not who I am or what I am. But it's, it's a thing that you have and you sort of can plan with it and sort of work with, with the thing. What can I do to avoid it? And the other big thing that I feel happened for me was with the business and everything getting so intense, the understanding that, okay, when we, we kind of got over that hill and out of the danger zone, the understanding that I do not need to control everything and that if other people control bits, and I even mean outside of our organization in the entertainment industry and so yeah. forth, if I were to not control everything, that would be okay. Yeah. And I'm fine, I can sit back now and and have that longer view and go maybe, I don't know, there are other comedy promoters on the scene. I don't want to invite competition, but Lewis did not stand for this years ago. Lewis was very intense in making sure that Comedy Estonia was seen first and that we were doing the best product and we were put into the best situation. Because you're, you know, things were insured and you're trying to keep it as as good as you can. And I've got to control everything, all kinds of things, all the shows, all the things, all the levels, all the things to do with comedy to ensure that we will be okay. Yeah. Um, When I had that understanding that we're going to be okay and in fact, we don't now need to control everything. Yeah. I felt much calmer. Yeah. That true understanding that, okay, I, because that's a stress. I've got to be in control of everything. Yeah. I've got to know everything, because, know all the shit. Because that's a constant thing. Yeah, constant. Every right? second, yeah. you need to know as soon as something happens, you mm. need to know what's going on, how it's going to affect, uh, why Why aren't you controlling it? You need to control it now. I, yeah. I, I get that. The industry, the shows, the international, the business, 
all these things. And I'm still over everything. But before I'd be like, what the? I got to know. I got to have the inside. I got to outflank yeah. them and outmaneuver that. And we're going to do this to do that. Yeah. And now there's so much more calm just having let that go. Yeah. And it's going to be all right. It's a lot healthier. Yeah. I don't need to control it. We don't need to control anything. We understand what we want to do. And it's actually a much smaller subset of all the things necessarily that we've been doing in the past, the real core of what we want to do. I don't want to go too deep in the fucking, now we're talking about the business model, but, mm. um, but yeah. yeah, giving up that, knowing that I don't have to do all that was a huge weight as well. Sort of the control thing with uh, being bipolar is, is a thing I learned to give up as well mm. because back back in the day when I, I tried to sort of control it in a way that if I was feeling depressed, I was like, oh, I got to be happy. I got I to gotta, I gotta be better, right? Or if I was being too manic, I'm like, calm down, calm down, take it, take it easy. But now I don't do that anymore because I know that's, a, that's fruitless. It's not going to leave me anywhere. So I just, you know, roll with the punches, right? Okay. And that's going with the flow really really helps in that sense I, I feel for you with going with anxiety sort of mm. helps as well that you you sort of accept it and just go it past and then you deal with things afterwards or beforehand to sort of mitigate it in in, in a way hmm. yeah. okay that's interesting yeah man maybe we should uh go yeah. to wherever two hours right now oh yeah maybe uh, yeah. I, I don't know how the fuck we're gonna come back from that deep topic yeah. anxiety and bipolar and we're over two hours. Maybe it's a good chance to wrap it up now. Yeah, anyway, I think man. as well. But yeah. I think it's been sort of World of Warcraft and bipolar for a while. So <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode. <laughs> you maybe have thought, oh, I'll get Carl on. It'll yeah, be it'll we'll be check. fun. It'll talk about Last Nama, maybe a couple of stabbing stories, <laughs> you know, maybe about, <laughs> you know, happy things. Right? Yeah, are we going deep, baby? We're <laughs> yeah. talking it out here. That's exactly <laughs> why we're doing this because we can talk about whatever we want. And if you are still listening, ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know how deeply I appreciate that you got balls deep two hours. <laughs> <laughs> into this episode yeah. and that you're still listening thank you very much you. Uh, it, it means a lot to us that you would you would listen to all exactly. our ramblings I mean this is good for me because as well because when I do my podcast it's more character based or just random stuff for an hour mm -hmm. but here I actually get to talk about topics so I, I abused your the chance you gave me to talk on your podcast I just abused it it's <laughs> tremendous that's all we want that's all we're here for buddy alright we're gonna head out into a nice Friday evening thank you very much episode 22 thank you very much Carl Thank you very much. Uh, come and check out my show, uh, Quality Tag, on the 20th of June. And uh, come and check the filming and come to the summer tour. Yep. Tell your friends about the Fringe. And summer tour, filming 22nd of June. Tickets are Pileta Levy. Uh, we've got a few left for that. Yeah, summer tour. You can only get the information on our Facebook events. Yeah. Because there's no tickets because we do the bucket donation. Some of them have tickets. Oh, do they? Some of them do. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. But not all. Oh, at the door? But you can't yeah. pre-buy yeah, those yeah, tickets. Yeah, at the door, yeah. Yeah, yeah, tickets at the door. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Good, good question. Yeah. But you can't pre-buy, so they're not on a Pilata Levy or whatever the fuck. Uh, but so the only place to find July is the summer tour. Look at our Facebook page if you still goddamn use <laughs> Facebook. I don't know what the fuck is that uh, anymore. If you don't still check the page out. That's right. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. See you soon. Thank you.